Hey guys, uh, thanks for checking out this episode. We got a lot of great stuff to get into and we have Renee Nickel coming on this episode who wrote an amazing book about her brother. She's a Gold Star sister. Uh, before we get to that, Fort Scott Munitions has been supporting us since day one. They are a manufacturer of multi-federal patented solid copper and brass CNC spun ammunition that is designed to tumble upon impact in soft tissue leaving devastating wound channels for faster bleed-out and quicker incapacitation. This ammunition was originally developed to innovate and improve on the standard of military-grade ammunition design. It was found that not only did the TUI ammunition outperform competitors in the self-defense industry, but it quickly became apparent that it would be a top contender for hunters alike. With the ammunition being CNC-spun, the tolerances are some of the tightest on the market, ensuring that you receive the same results with each pull of the trigger. Christmas is just around the corner, guys. The holiday season is just around the corner. And if you want to stock up on ammo, now is the time. Yeah. And uh, just be advised again, they're, they're catching up. Yeah. Uh, especially on the nine mil, which is probably the most common ammunition you'll find in the, in the country. Everybody has nine millimeter ammo, but that is where they're catching up. So you should be good. Five, five, six, just, give or take you know two it could be two months guys i mean at least it's not back to six months like it was uh you know just a few months ago so take your time be patient with them but you're gonna get great great ammunition probably the best in the country in my opinion so yeah i i don't think it's that long in in all cases because i know like jason piccolo who's been on the show has bought ammo a bunch of times and he's actually uh put up the unboxing and stuff and it came pretty quick for him. So some stuff is coming quickly. Some stuff. I think it just depends on, on who you're buying it from honest, and also the grade of ammo because there is cheaper ammo that is made quicker because it's it's less grainage. It's it's uh, maybe the the uh, the pieces and parts aren't as as uh, as well made as what Fort Scott puts into their stuff, which is fine. I mean, that's what you get. You, you get what you pay for sometimes. Yeah, but, but I mean, it, Jason bought from FortScottMunitions.com, used our promo code, and it came quickly. So, Dude, that's awesome. Well, yeah. then there, there you go. Jason is our, Jason's our, our what, is he our lip, a liptus test? Or that's not Lit, the right word. Litmus. Litmus? Litmus. So uh, with that, Fort Scott Munitions is available throughout privately owned businesses in all 50 states, as well as directly online through fortscottmunitions.com. Go there now. Use the exclusive promo code BATTLELINE for 15% off your order. One word at fortscottmunitions.com. Use that promo code BATTLELINE. Only available to listeners of the BATTLELINE podcast. Fort Scott Munitions is a proud supporter of Chris Peranto, Battleline Tactical, and the Battleline Podcast. Let's get right into everything. From Omaha, Nebraska to New York City, from planet Earth to extraterrestrial life in space, a podcast with no equal, engaged in unconventional warfare through your speakers and headphones. This is a show about embracing the suck, conquering your demons, and finding God in the face of adversity. Chris Tonto Peranto. Twitch is on. Motherfucker, I'm going to shoot you in the face. Ian Scotto. You know, Ian and I have been dating for a long time. You are now tuned into the Battle Line Podcast. Hey 
Switches On Battleline Podcast. Uh, you know, I'm going to tell you something real quickly that you don't even know, but but uh, it will. It, it's already foregone what happened. Would be I don't you don't know this last episode after we were done. Uh, I saw the recordings and it had my voice and your voice, no Christian voice, oh. and I had that feeling in my stomach of this is the worst because. If if I lose my work, you know, in terms of something that just involves me, I, I'll live with it. But it's like if I wasted someone else an hour or two hours of their time and it was a great interview, yeah, you're just like, fuck. But and this is not a uh this is not a sponsorship of uh squadcast, but this is just the truth. I was kind of furious. I sent them an email, kind of pissed off. You know, it wasn't cursing them out or anything, but I did say it was like this is unacceptable. You know, we just recorded a yeah. two-hour podcast. And I don't know if it's a bot who got back to me or an actual person, but they were like, no problem, Ian. We record backups of every show Whoa. and they record a backup of everything. So if you lose something, I have to say this is the best software for recording remotely like we're doing. If uh, oh, so we did out there. So we did lose. What, what happened? No, uh, but they had a backup and I was able to piece it all together and and happy ending. Oh, wow. Wow. That's uh, that's amazing. I'm glad you. Well, you know me. I don't know. Well, we can do it again. You know, I wouldn't have got up, but that is that is kind of you know, I, for that, you. That but I would feel bad for Christian. No, you know, no, you're right. It happened yeah. where we lost banter between us. But when I lose it with a guest, that's always it's it's yeah. happened to me. So it's a terrible feeling to call someone and be like, everything we was, just did, it's gone. That was a great interview. I, it was. I, I enjoy. I do. Well, I'm glad you. I'm glad you figured it out. That's why. That's why this is the Ian Scotto Battleline Podcast Show with Tonto. <laughs> no, because <laughs> you know what the what it's, the hell you're doing. It's really Squadcast. Shout out to them. I mean, yeah, they yeah. no other. Uh, if I if this would have been Skype or this would have been Zoom, we would have lost it. We'd have lost everything. Yeah. yeah, they they're the best. So um, anyway, man, what have you been up to? I actually this whole week just uh, getting the new website up. Uh, you know, had to redo the. I shouldn't say had to. Just it needed to be updated. So we updated the Chris com and then uh put a lot you know i can't believe how much merchandise that i've that we have under that tano brand with oh. and with other vendors so we just had to put everything together so this whole week has been working with my wife with working with jeremy mitchell who's tremendous who does a lot of stuff and, and you know jeremy yeah um does a lot of stuff to help out with uh, KPI, which is my my company, and Battleline, which is a subsidiary of KPI, but then also all the other vendors. So it, it's it's awesome, and so just just getting to be where, and that's where I was going to is an e-commerce site, which uh, you know I, I I fought it for I don't know how many years to not do like ah, I'm not going to brand, I'm not going to do this, and finally I'm just like you know what it people keep asking for it whenever I put something up people want it it looks like it's 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 more motivating i don't have a hey, kill them all that got somewhere out sort of t-shirts so I, I i was like well yeah people are getting it's positive and it's helping people and and grant right yeah if it does well for myself and those that work with me and and those that we work you know you and i even with the podcast then yeah let's keep it rolling but you got to make it have a professional just like a professional storefront and i didn't and now i do and it, the website it, looks great. It really does. Oh yeah, they did a great job. And then also having the vendors because you there's so many laws. You know, having having guys that get that help us with with discounts like Ned and and Medieval and you know Gladiator Solutions on the Battleline Tactical side, but also on the podcast side. Then you have the ones that you know that are that are there, but do they give us? But and and they help us promote a bit, but they don't have the discount side, so you have to put that in a separate area. It's it's so. 
I, I'm glad I have people smarter than me to do this because I would have <laughs> no idea how to set all this stuff up and then make it look like, you know, look like an actual real good storefront where you're going shopping at a, at a store. Right? And, but then also has the has the positivity that we have that we even from the show itself, from from the podcast and everything else that goes on. So. Yeah, I, I don't know. It, it, it was it was more work for others. <laughs> I'm the manager now. I just tell people what to do, um, <laughs> I, and they do it if they want. But um, it, it it really did. My wife is stressed, but she she works her ass off on all yeah. that, and uh, so she she handles it. She's the boss. I, I I'm just the guy out front. She's the one that actually runs everything. So there, that was the whole week, and then getting stuff set up for next year for the Battleline Tactical courses. Well, I've won in Florida in February, nice. and then. Yep. Yeah. At Rich's place. I love Rich's yeah, place. Rich at, Graham. Yep. At Full Spectrums. And then, um, of course, at Divide Defense out there in Lake Geneva. We'll do one out Lake Geneva, Wisconsin in May. Brother, if you could come to that, it's so beautiful out there. That'd be um, cool. It would. And then uh, we'll have another one in Crete, in, which is South Chicago in middle of June. And then a uh, treadproof training in July. And then uh, by that time, I should be at Fort Scott. So are we'll, you, are you rescheduling um, Maine? Because that would be the easiest for me to go to. It's just, it, it's all on the state, man. Those, they have the hardest, as far as the regulations, the, the hibbity-bibbity, the COVID regulations, they, they probably have some of the most stringent. And I get it, it though. I mean, yeah. I could tell you New York is, is great right now because of it. But, and that's where I do, I want to, and that's a long ass travel. For yeah, me. it is. So, so it's like, man, do I don't think I'm going to do, and I, I, it's not really from the, from the hibbity bibbity virus thing. It's more from, it's just a long, long way to get out there. And, sure. you know, unless, unless, unless you have the numbers, is it worth it to go out there and take more time or is it worth it to stay close to home where I know I'm going to get, you know, the, the, the signups and the, and the student, the, the class filled up. Um, but yeah, it, it sucks for people on the East Coast that want to train with Battle Line because it is harder for us to get out there, and the West Coast as well. We are me and myself and Ben. Ben's in Colorado. I'm in the Midwest. I'm in Nebraska, and mainly most of the ranges we have are right here. We just do Florida because you got to get out of Nebraska <laughs> in February at least once. I do. And, I do um, understand it too, though, because just as someone as an avid podcast listener, right? Like I listen to Bobby Lee's podcast. I'm a huge fan of his. And he just had Paulie Shore on a great podcast, oh, yeah. but the, those guys were even saying with COVID right now, it just changed kind of their perspective on, do I want to tour all the time? They're like, yeah. even when things calm down, maybe I don't want to tour all the time. And I, and I get it. Like Paulie Shore just moved to Vegas. He was saying, and he's like, I'll probably do a residency there every week. But as for traveling all over the country, I don't know if I'm excited about it right now. And I get yeah. that. And it's not a, it's not a being feeling unsafe or feeling, at least not in my case that I'm going to get sick. It's just, you, it, it allows you to re and we talked about it when it first happened, it allowed you, even if you didn't want to restructure your priorities, where your priorities lie, are they at home? Or are they out there traveling and meeting and, and doing things or that should they be close to home so you can be close to home? So when you're done with whatever you're going to do, you can come right back home or only spend a couple days away. Or, you know, if I go to Maine and I don't fly anymore, I don't guys, unless I have to, I don't. I drive to Maine. That's a whole week for me. It's three days. Yeah, that's, that's a three-day drive. Uh, but I, to, to say that that is not the best way to see this country is in a car on some of the, and not the interstates, get off this, uh, the, get off some of the old highways, but it's awesome. I love seeing the country that way. But um, yeah, I, I, I do think that, and that people look at it this way, that having the hibbity-bibbity, having the COVID come out, it, it allowed me to restructure my priorities and feel, okay, do I, where do I really want to be now? Not, not I'm worried about getting sick. I'm not. Um, but uh, it, it, it did say, okay, 
where is the importance now in your life? Is it going out and all these places or is it, hey, maybe you're going to have to sacrifice and you're going to piss people off. Piss some of your people that, that support you, you're going to piss them off because you, you're not going to get in their areas, but you're going to be able to be home. And you're going to be home, you know, after, you're going to be gone for a day, then you're going to be back home or you're going to be able to take your family with yeah, you. Yeah. And, and, and also, if it's really important for them to take a class with you and it's a once in a lifetime experience, yeah. they'll travel. I mean, look, they do. I'm a huge I, I'll give you an example. I'm a huge Dokken fan. When I heard Dokken was reuniting and doing one show in South Dakota, I said, I'm you're going there, to South Dakota. <laughs> and I wasn't pissed at them. I was like, why aren't you playing New York? I wanted to go. I went. I yeah. don't regret it. And you know what? They they never, at least now, they've never played a show with the full full lineup again in America. So I got to see it. I got to experience it. And yeah, if it's important, you're gonna you're gonna make the travel. So I, it, I get it. It's more of an inconvenience yeah. for you because you're the one who has to regularly do it. You know. And, so and I did that. So and it, that that time's done. I did that for three four years, and it about damn near literally killed me. So yeah, yeah. no, you're you're well said, brother. That's 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 well said. Yep. yep. So I did want to get to this just because this is the final show we're doing before the election. Uh, any prediction? What do you think is going to happen? Uh, I don't have. I, I am back to where I was when I was deploying. I didn't care. I Whatever happened, happened. And you just roll with but it. But you don't have a guess? Just so you're on record with who you no, see winning? No, I, I really don't. I, I, I honestly could think – I honestly think it could go 50-50. And the amount that I travel, which is – that's another thing you're, you're seeing. When you travel, when you're in the cities, you're seeing Biden and Trump signs, you know, depending on the geographical areas. You are. You, I, I wouldn't agree with that. You don't see a whole lot of Biden signs because I, – I at least from my perspective, I've sure. seen some, but – Biden supporters will tell you themselves they're not enthusiastic about him. They're going to vote for him, but they're not. They're not. Yeah, it's there's not the enthusiasm there. And that's if that's the East Coast. I don't know, brother. That's that's you. No, but everywhere. Arizona, I I saw way more Trump signs. Even New York, way more Trump signs. New Jersey, way more Trump signs. And that, hey, I I, when I am off and I was saying when I get out of the city and I get into the rural areas, that's all you see. Trump, 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 yeah. Trump, Trump. And it was just me driving, like driving to Wisconsin, driving to Chicago, dri- when I drive to Fort Scott, when I drove to Shreveport. Oh, yeah. Um, I live in North Omaha, and I don't know if you know the geographics of North Omaha. Oh, North Omaha is extremely African-American. It's, yeah. it's pretty much, that's that's the majority of it. You see Biden and Kara Eastman signs more here. Wow. And, 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 and uh, you know, I, and that, it is what it is. But you I'm still also, see Trump signs. And, and I'll say for me, I'm also not in the city. And yeah, you also yeah. don't see signs in the city because yeah. you don't really have a yard sign in the city. <laughs> that's but true, that's true. <laughs> Long Island, I can tell you, you do see you definitely see more Trump enthusiasm. That doesn't mean he's going to get more uh, votes on Long Island. It just means there's more yeah. enthusiasm for the Trump campaign. I, I, I get I, that. I, you know, I, if I, I would, my guess would be a flip a coin 50, 50, but it, regardless, it's just like when I was working, whoever, whoever isn't, so what, okay, you won. I'm going to keep going back and living my life, whatever I need to do to be successful. Um, and so, you know, I, whatever happens, happens. And the thing is, if people would just like, Hey, you know, whoever won, won. All right, let's go back to being the best person we can be. Let's go back to doing what we need to do to be successful. Oh, my gosh, taxes are going to be higher because it's Biden's up. Well, then maybe I need to work a little bit harder. Oh, oh crap. Now the laws are going to be, you know, gun laws are going to be terrible. I, I don't know. I'm just making this shit up. Sure, I, no, I, I get it. But it's like, oh, my. Well, so what? Let's roll with it. You're flexible. Be like water. Be Bruce Lee. Be like <laughs> Great water. Quote. Be, be like water. Just flow it. And that's how I always was when I was deploying, no matter who was in office. 
And I got away from that with the when I came back from Benghazi, which I, I really felt I needed to do that. Anyway. That was a personal issue that I had because it personally happened to me with politicians. Uh, but now I'm back to where I was before. It's like, you know, I, I, I hey, whoever wins, wins. I'm going to keep trucking along, keep grinding, just like you, man. You, I oh, know yeah, you're the same way. Who, I don't care. We're just going to keep grinding. Yeah, some of the stuff they say and do may piss me off. I may not agree with Trump. Some of the stuff Trump does. I may not agree with some of the stuff Biden does. Um, but uh, I, I'm just going to keep keep grinding and keep driving along. I, the only thing I just, I, you know, I, I, I and I don't, I've, it, is, is there some of the socialist aspects that Biden's vice president, and I don't know, I don't do the, a lot of the research. It's stuff that you see. And if that's the case, I, I'm not into socialism, man. It's it's something I it's something that I, I've I've fought against. I, I've seen in other countries, and I know that kind of shit doesn't work. But if Biden is elected, and you and the and her, what's the, I don't even know her name, Kamala Vice Harris. President Kamala Harris. If if she's in, again, you just continue to live. You live, you live, you live until somebody steps on your toes and somebody comes into my house and says, "Hey, you have to do it this way." Well, then there's a problem. Then we have a fight. But up until that point, there's there's no fight. There's just keep living, keep keep doing the best we can, and yeah. and, and succeed. And you you're the same way. I, I I and that's why you're successful in what you do. You just kept kept grinding along, and look how well you're doing now. No, thank you, man. I appreciate yeah. it. Um, as for the yeah predictions, just because I threw it out there, See, throw it out there, throw it out there. Yeah, I, I I agree. I think it could go either way. I think it's going to be an extremely close election. My my big prediction I have actually, but I think people know this is that. We're not going to know the results for days. That that's the one thing, and and it is sort of by design. There's no reason we shouldn't be able to know the results that night. Yes, I do know what happened in 2000, Bush v. Gore, but um, we preemptively know we're not going to know that night, which is just strange. We've never had this where you could vote three days after the election um, in in swing states. It's, it's going to be strange. But anyway. Um, Minus the the voter fraud stuff going on, which could sway things. I'm not going to say it can't. I I think you go either way. I would actually give Trump the edge, and it's because I just looking at the map, looking at the electoral map, I see Florida going to Trump. I see Arizona going to Trump. I see Pennsylvania going to yeah. Trump, and like th- those in particular, Ohio might go either way. Um, I. You know, I wonder. I, Iowa. I see. I was split whenever I drive through Iowa, rural America. It's just Trump everywhere, and then you get into Des Moines, and you see more more Biden signs. Um, so I don't know. But if you've seen the map, what can tell me about? I mean, that's my neighboring state, and they they always are fluctuating and, both ways. But I will say, as as I kind of said earlier, I think it's hard to to judge based on signs yeah. because. Yeah, you're right. In my perspective, and this is just from people I've spoken to, what I've seen, friends of mine. Uh, Biden supporters generally, almost all of them that I talk to are like, I don't really like the guy, but he's my only other choice. This is who I'm going for. You don't really, other than like the Lincoln Project people, there's no one that enthusiastic about this guy. Sure, sure. Um, Trump supporters, I've met two different types of Trump supporters. There is the in your face, I love this man, he can do no wrong Trump supporter. And then I've met people, I could tell you a trainer at my gym, right? I was asking about the election, just having a casual conversation. He was like, yeah, I don't really know who I'm going for. And then when he realized I am not someone who's going to really care who you're voting for, he was like, I'm going to be honest with you, I'm voting for Trump, but I can't, I can't uh, you say know, that. So I've seen a lot of that too. I, I did. I, I could see that. And I could see a lot of, a lot of people here in, because North Omaha in the past election, when it was Hillary and Trump, you would see 
if people were pretty adamant if they were going to vote for Trump, their signs are out in the yard. I think I and, and I hate to say it, but I think a lot of the people don't do it and they're going to vote for Trump regardless because it, it comes out of the fear of what's going to happen in my house. And I, I'm going to that extreme, but I, I could see that happening with things that and how how the protests go on, how people respond when you, they find that you are a, a, a supporter of Trump. And you just, and I know it's a small, it is a small portion in comparison to the, the population of the United States, but you see that stuff online where the big fights and the fisticuffs uh, with Trump supporters and Biden supporters. And I know the people are like, well, why do I want to put a Trump sign in my lawn in North Omaha when the majority of people here are supporting Biden? What could happen to my house in this? And, and you hate to say, but that, wait a minute, that leads into what you're, what I think your buddy is going through. I'm not going to tell him, but I'm vote for Trump. I don't want to start any conflicts right now. I'm going to vote for him, but why do I need to put that out? There? Yeah. He, I, I mean, I can tell you, cause since he's anonymous, I can tell you what he even said to me. He's like, when it comes to pretty much every issue, I don't really care. It doesn't affect me. He's like, but I just think Trump will be better for business. So that's why I'm well, going for him. And, and uh, he is, <laughs> I, he, that's what he, he may does. be. I, you know, there's, I'm, there, there's there's a lot because New York, I could tell you, right, if you were a homeowner in New York, Trump has been horrible for you. It, was, okay. it, it has increased the price of what you're paying on your home incredibly, including the home my parents live in. Um, so it's been terrible for New York homeowners and homeowners in other places. And then I could personally tell you healthcare in this country, I don't think has ever been worse. Um, I mean, well, you're paying close to a thousand dollars to well, independently who, okay. buy healthcare. It's great. Brother, that started with Obama, though. Our, well, yeah, our but it increased. Up. It increased. Our, well, then, guess what? Welcome, welcome to Obamacare, and to say that. But that's, that's that, the thing. We need to have something to chip there, and there hasn't been anything. What I, there hasn't been any strides, and I, I want to see both parties get together and have. <laughs> so, I'll tell you the last solution that I heard that I liked on this issue. And it never seemed to be brought up again. 2008 was the first election that I really intensely followed. And I remember when Duncan Hunter ran in the primaries, he said, why can't we buy health care across state lines? Why can't I be in New York and buy a plan in, in Nebraska? And then it would increase competition. That sounds like a good I, start. I, I agree. I Competition always drives the price to where it needs to be. It drives it down because it makes people, makes those businesses more responsible and, and they can't sit and be a monopoly. No, I, I, I remember that. I do I actually do remember that. And I agree with that too. Is privatiz- privatization or and or the competition of business is where prices stay in line. It's when we have companies can make a monopoly and and that's when those prices go up. So I bro, I, I agree. I I you know with me personally, I haven't fully covered because of my injuries. Do, with, yeah, you know, VA. With, so, with the arm. Which which my, by the way is also broken and also needs to be fixed. And, 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 and that, I don't know if you you could tell me better, obviously. Have it, there been strides in the past? Yeah, it actually, it, actually, it has. They have Good. improved with veterans because now we can, if we if we can't get to our provider, if you live outside of a of a major VA hospital, you can go to a private provider now. You just have to sign up the paperwork for it, and That's so good. yeah, it is. It does, and and the wait times, at least for me in Omaha, it's 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 not bad. The hospital actually built more wings onto it to accommodate more veterans, and I get everything done there, and they're always fantastic. I mean, I just my ear. I mean, these are $3,000 freaking uh, hearing aids that I got done in a week with them. And it was great. But I, again, it, it is VA dependent. It's state line. It is. Where's the VA at? I, I don't know if the people in Atlanta at the VA hospital can say the same thing I can in Omaha. But I have seen improvements here with the VA hospital. Um, that being said, um, 
I, I, I do agree with you on that, on the, on the competition, on the privatization. And, and I've seen as far as people see, people will say, Hey, Tana, how can you describe and, and talk about the healthcare when you're on the, when you're on the military healthcare, you're on VA. It's me. It's what well, it covers me. It doesn't cover my family. And I've seen our premiums go up when Obamacare came in with my wife, it went up uh, five, five, five times, five times over. So we went up from paying very little in premiums to, I think we pay, gosh, two, 3000. And then the deductible went up to, to five grand. It went from a, tw- a thousand and now it's a $5,000 deductible. So wow. I'm like, man. So I, I, yeah, I agree. It, there has no, to be I mean, some fix. Also, here's the thing. Uh, when I, uh, prior at, it wasn't until the very end of the Obama administration that I was not working for a major corporation. So when I work for a major corporation, you yeah. get great healthcare with that. Yeah, 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 you yeah. know what I mean? And and that's a problem too, because of the fact that if people want to start a small business and they want to give their employees healthcare, it is an insane cost. I, I mean, I, look- I just think, I, I don't think anyone on either side can tell you it's not a broken system. They're going to have different solutions, but it's it's definitely a broken system at this point. Right, I agree. I looked at actually healthcare, making KPI, uh, uh, making it an escort and doing healthcare for employees like like you're saying hey let's and it's it's outrageous there's no way i could even get into it unless i'm unless we're clearing seven i mean literally where i'd feel comfortable unless we're clearing seven figures a year which is you know that's that's maybe maybe in a few years that might happen but i doubt it (laughs) but but i agree with you and and that's where again where if if you're voting and i see the biden ads out there um, on it, but I'll be honest. I, I, if you're voting for either candidate, neither candidate has a good solution for it. And, and that's just from, and I'm, but I take agree. it for what it's worth, you're going to know, cause I'm less well read on this stuff because I don't pay attention to it as much as other people do. So take that with a grain of salt. You can speak more eloquently on it, um, than I can just because I, I, I really do pull myself out of it and whatever happens, I just, I just, I just go with it. I grow, I grow, I do. I grind with it and I'll, I'll, I'm going to do well regardless. Even if I have to step it up and work just a little bit harder to make those ends meet, I'm going to do it. I'm going to find a way to do it. But, um, yeah, if, if I said, we're getting back to the election again, if you're going to vote based on healthcare, I don't think you really, there's a, there's a dog in the fight on either side, to be honest with you. But I said, yeah, that, that, that's, that's the, that's I think you could speak better on that than I can. No, I mean, there's nothing more to say. I just no matter the outcome of the election, I'd like to see us get back to like solving these major issues. And the only way you're going to solve these major issues are both parties actually yeah. coming together and finding solutions. This whole idea that people have that Democrats have of we don't want to work with Republicans and Republicans have we don't want to work yeah. with Democrats. That's exactly what's destroying the country. Yeah, no, I agree. It's, you know, so there, there's. There needs to be some type of solution on on all of these major issues going on. Um, we have an email to get to, but we'll get to it after because we got to bring on Renee. Uh, before we get to Renee, as we always uh, talk about on this show, one one thing politically we are on this show is very pro Second Amendment. And Fort Scott Munitions is a manufacturer of multi federal patented solid copper and brass CNC spun ammunition that is designed to tumble upon impact in soft tissue leaving devastating wound channels for faster bleed-out and quicker incapacitation. This ammunition was originally developed to innovate and improve on the standard of military-grade ammunition design. It was found that not only did the TUI ammunition outperform competitors in the self-defense industry, but it quickly became apparent that it would be a top contender for hunters alike. With the ammunition being CNC-spun, the tolerances are some of the tightest on the market, ensuring you're going to receive the same results 
with each pull of the trigger, Fort Scott Munitions is available throughout privately owned businesses in every state, as well as direct online through fortscottmunitions.com. We have the link in the description if you're driving right now or something. So when you get a chance, just click on that. And when you make your order, use the exclusive promo code BATTLELINE. You're going to get 15% off your order. And that really shows support for us here at the show and lets them know that we're doing our job. And uh, yeah, they've been a proud supporter of us, Battleline Tactical and Chris. And with that, I'm going to invite Renee into the room. I got it. There we go. Can you hear me? Yes. Ow. What the hell was that? (laughs) (laughs) And I'm deaf. Oh, my gosh. Uh, Sorry about that. So I've been listening to y'all's podcast, and I appreciate the fact that, you know, you have inspirational military content without the overtly political garbage. Uh, so it's, nice. it's, it's right. I just, people, I, I think the, yeah. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, no, go ahead, yeah, go people, ahead. I think, thought it was going to be super political two episodes ago, and then people clicked on it. And it was really like 10 minutes yeah. of it, you know. <laughs> but uh, anyway, I'll give Renee an introduction. We'll get into everything. Uh, Renee Nickel, author of Always My Hero, The Road to Hope and Healing, Following My Brother's Death in Afghanistan, the Gold Star sister of Marine Corps Major Samuel Griffith. And I also know right now you're working on a screenplay, which we'll get into. Um, but this is my my second time having the opportunity to talk to you. And, and actually, one thing both that you have in common, uh, I feel like a lot of authors we have on here do the rounds of like Fox News and different podcasts. But both you guys have done the 700 Club, which is pretty cool. And the Hallmark Channel. And, and, and the Hallmark <laughs> Channel. That was fun. I That was one of the first things we did when we were touring with, uh, with Par- when Paramount was putting us out there when the movie came out. And the Hallmark Channel was great. And who was who was the – and I grew up – don't, don't, don't hate me. I did. I grew up – Stealing my dad's Sports Illustrated swimsuit issues at the time, and it was it was the lady. If she was married to Rod Stewart for many oh. years, and she was one of the hosts. Um, uh, what was her? She's Australian, right? Or New Zealand? She's she, Rachel, Rachel something. Um, yeah, I, I can't. Yo, I can't I'm, I'm googling it, but but I was like, oh my gosh, I get to be on TV. I was like all all starry eyed because I told that this is the, this is the, and I even said, you know, I used to, I used to look at you when I was, I mean, I creeped her out probably when I was a teenager with the sports illustrated, I had my dad's sports illustrated swimsuit issue. I was just in awe, but it was so fun. And they fixed this chicken soup on set. It was the best chicken soup I ever did had in my did you life. Get the trailer? It was awesome. And we got, we didn't get the trailer because we had to go to another I mean, Paramount was just bam, yeah. bam, bam, bam. So it was like, go, okay, now we got to go here. Oh, bam, now we got to go here. And um, so we didn't get the trailer, but I, I still had fun. It was, and everybody was oh, so, so nice. nice there. It was, it, yeah, yeah, it was, it yeah was when I saw my name outside the trailer, I was like, I've made it. I've arrived. You made it? <laughs> I, I got my name outside the trailer for my HD Vision sunglass okay. commercials and my, pop, and my copper That's fit commercials. Cool. That's where I got my- <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's like are you kidding me the talent like hey, the talent's moving i was like who's the talent you are like are you seriously is that really what i thought that was a joke that's what you call like you're the talent dude no i'm not the talent stop calling me and walking around holding an umbrella yes. over your head like will you stop doing that i can't i'm gonna get fired if you don't okay just can you can i hold it then no you can't touch the umbrella i have to it's like okay i'm, I'm this guy now finally i didn't feel like i made it i felt like i became the biggest 
douche. <laughs> Excuse my language. <laughs> biggest biggest D bag in the world. But it it's cool experiences though. Though those are those are really cool. When you think back now, like God, those yeah, are cool. so fun experiences, yeah. definitely. Yeah. yeah, you know what else? I I guess we could start it off this way too. Is, is another thing I think you guys both have in common is that a lot of guys we have on the show will say, you know, it was my dream to write a book. I always wanted to be an author. I know in your case, this really happened. And much like Chris's book, like was a more therapeutic mm -hmm. thing that you wanted your brother's <laughs> yeah. legacy to live on. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, I, I mean, I've, I always thought I would write a book about something, but it really wasn't until my brother died that, you know, I had my mission. Yeah. So, um, you know, I just, after I had gone through so much, you know, I just wanted to help other people, you know, it was, you know, nobody writes a book for the money, you know, you just, <laughs> you know, so I just, I just wanted to help other people and, and that's, and I wanted people to know about his sacrifice. That was, that was really important to me. And did it, I mean, it did help with me and also the other two actually help when, because the, the Ranger Way and Patriot Creed I wrote actually during, even during some other difficult times in my life, which I brought on personally. <laughs> You're awesome. You're awesome. Actually, I wanted to, before we get to that, I wanted to ask you about the horse riding. Oh, my daughter. Oh, the horse. Yeah, I got it. I got it. But we'll get into that in a second. But um, it was, it, it's, it, it is therapeutic writing and getting it out there and you can vent. In fact, but I, I actually, uh, my editor, even though sometimes on the Patriots Creed, I vented too much. Sometimes she was like, do you need to tone it down a little bit? Where, cause it's, I, I fall under the faith-based, you know, Hachette yeah. is huge, but they have a faith, faith-based publishing section in Nashville. And that's what I fall under, which is, I love it. I'm glad that's yeah. where it should be. Um, but they were like, man, you're venting a little bit too much. Do you want to put all that out there? And uh, but it did help, even just getting it out. And then we we added, we pulled some of it back. It still felt good to. It's it's like sitting on a couch and you're talking to your therapist in this on the pages. And it was it was it was nice. I don't know if you felt the same way, but that's that's how I felt. Oh yeah, I had uh, 14 versions of my manuscript. <laughs> my, I mean, wow. my publisher was. I mean, each each time we cut a little bit more out and um and yeah. you know the final version was a much softer version because i didn't know who i was going to market it to i didn't know if i was going to take it to the christian market or you know just mainstream yeah. and i mean over the past three years i've i've kind of um well i mean no i know we'll get into the screenplay but um you know i really want to go after that mainstream audience because that's who really needs my message yeah. so and and it will it it, fl it just takes yeah. time I you know and 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 it eventually as it as people read it and it gets pushed in books books just take you know they you know the deal they just take time to to get to where they need to go it, unless you're unless you're uh, you you've been there for a while you're the Brad right. Thor or something where it goes right to the mainstream it, it's not and when it is faith based and or when it has and that's the sad thing even with this country. Uh, and I love this country, but there's there's some sadness there that bothers me a little bit with this country is that when it is faith based, you hear the word faith, you hear God, you hear Jesus, it turns some of the mm -hmm. people off and they don't want to yeah. read it. And I don't and I think it's just they don't want to be challenged. They don't want to feel like, oh, my gosh, maybe I'm not living my life right, because when they get into those books, especially when they're military and they're faith based books or they're about family members in the military it's you're open like oh my gosh wow that happened how the hell did they get through that oh my gosh how'd that ha but they don't want to go and start it because it's it's yeah. faith-based but 
that's the, where you and and authors like yourself and you and myself, we got to stick to our guns and say, no, this is we're going to talk about God. You get in here and read this thing. Maybe you maybe that's you're the person that needs to read this, and it will. It's just going to take a little bit longer. But like you do, you're staying on your literally like your daughter, staying on that yeah. horse, staying on that horse, and you're going to keep keep pushing it. So no, I, I I admire what you're doing. And I'm trying not to get into too much stuff because we don't have anything to talk about on your show when I get to go on your show. <laughs> well, I'm uh, I'm really honored that you guys have me on. I've been I've been binge listening to the podcast, so um, I mean it's just really really wow. great show. Wow. So I'm I'm honored that you guys would have me on. No, of course we'd have you on. And and also you're in the same category as, as Christian Bustler, where I've been telling you we'll have you on yeah. for months <laughs> and, and we're finally are doing this. So I, I think, uh, you know, people would probably like to hear just about your, the origin story of your brother. Yeah. Was, was he the type of guy who, as a young kid, said to you, I want to join the military? Or was it that you, the country was going to war and he felt that call? No, it was, you know, from five years old, he was going to be a fighter pilot. So and wow. that's what he became. So how did it growing up, I brothers and sisters too, and they can tell, probably tell you stories about me and my silliness, craziness. Um, but then how was it growing up? Was he always, was he, was he a bully? Was he, no, was he always tough or was he the nicest? Yeah. There. <laughs> always. Yeah. Uh, what was his best thing that he did to you then? What was that he would, that would just piss you off, but he knew he could get under your skin. Cause that's the kind of brother I was with my sister. I knew I could get some, I get under her skin. And that was as a brother, just, just hiding in a room and scaring, or just even just manipulating her and, and trying to start fights with her and my younger brother, just so I could watch. Oh, it was usually and, and me fighting, picking fights with him. And then he'd like <laughs> punch me in the arm and I'd cry and he'd get in trouble. So you, oh, you dirty. That is dirty. <laughs> damn sisters i mean yeah, I tell you i'll never forget I, I was we were i was 21 and married and um we were going out it was you know him and yeah. me and my mom my mom's in the back seat we're driving and you know he just reaches over just punches me in the arm and i start crying because it hurt and my mom's yelling at us and we're 21 and 23 years old but that's just how it was you know that's the that's he, awesome. he taught me how to chew tobacco it was uh, are you a dipper? No. Are you are you a chewer? Or are you okay? No. What, what what okay? You got to do. No, we, we were. To, um, we so he was in college, and we were driving that. up. Talk about it. Tell us what happened. Oh, you got a little frozen there. Say again. We lost you. Yeah. Let me. Yeah, we lost you. Go ahead. Start that again because we lost. Yeah, you. he was. Uh, he was in. Penn, at, he was attending Penn State, and we were driving up for I don't know <laughs> uh, a Navy ball or something for the weekend, and um he had this tobacco. I thought it was the most disgusting thing because at the time I smoked cigarettes. So he used to get on my case all the time about smoking. And I was like, what are you doing? You're putting this disgusting tobacco. So then I was like, well, let me try it. Let me see what, what this stuff is. And so he's like telling me he's driving and I'm in the passenger seat and he's like telling me, you know, how to put it in my lip and, you know, and, and then it's like, I, it like saliva starts filling in your mouth and I, did you, I didn't know what to do with it. So I like start swallowing. Oh my gosh. You got it. I was oh, so did, sick. Oh yeah. It was did, awful. Did you, did you, did you puke at all? I did. did no, you, did no, it, did he stay just, in? no, I was oh. so nauseous though. And he's just like laughing his ass off, you know, and 
I have a fest bump on that one because usually the first time gutters, they call you getting it is what you're doing. It goes every, you're, you're up. I'm sure I was gagging, so. you know. No. <laughs> do you remember what kind it was? No, was it, I don't. Do you Whatever he oh, could afford in black. college. <laughs> oh, shit. So it was probably like Kodiak or probably. Grizzly or some, <laughs> some cheap leaf. You know, though, uh, I I used to go, the only time I got it was at Ranger School when I was so hungry. I used to actually eat, I would eat Levi Garrett and uh, Redman as Mountain Phase because I was so hungry. I wow. didn't even care. Like, I like, geez, I'm so starving. Yeah, that's probably why I have Crohn's disease right now. Thanks, Army. Oh, Appreciate man. that, man. <laughs> uh, but, you know, when, when you were... When he was going in and you, we talk, you, you, I don't, we don't want, I don't want to, I want people to read your book yeah. so we can get as much as, but you know, what was your feelings when he was going in? Cause I, I know what my family felt like when I was walking towards that plane. I mean, my grandpa was crying because yeah. he didn't want me to go and they're all thinking the worst because yeah, I am going to be around, you're going into I'm going into an area that they don't have any idea. All they know is what Rangers do from what they video they see. Yeah. But what was your feeling like when he was when he was heading off? And were you there when he was when he was hopping the plane and going to going to basic training, going to his first basic training? No. Get his military. Group well, he had he went to went through ROTC. At, ROTC. Yeah, okay. and then when he graduated, he got commissioned as an officer, and then went uh, straight to flight school. Um, you know, and then nine eleven happened, and. You know, I just remember rushing over to my mom's house because we had, at that time, we had lived about a mile apart and she's, she's crying and, you know, she's concerned and, you know, I'm crying because my, my husband just told me that he's joining the military. So, you know, I, I wasn't ever really worried about him. Um, I just, I had a different perception of him. You know, he was invincible yeah. in my eyes. So yeah. um, I, even his, his final deployment. You know, I wasn't worried, even though, you know, my parents had great concern, you know, and it, yeah. it was just one of those things that, um, you know, even when my mom called me to tell me that he had been killed, I, 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 in my brain, I couldn't even wrap my head around the, the possibility that that could actually happen to him. So there's like this moment in my brain where I'm actually thinking, um, that maybe he lost his legs or, you know, <clears throat> something catastrophic happened to him, but that he would be okay. okay. Between sure. the, that few seconds of her saying your brother, you know, from your brother was killed in Afghanistan, that split second, you know, I'm, I'm thinking he'll be fine. He's coming home. Well, and that, yeah, wow. That's, that'd be tough. I, I mean, I, I, Wow. Yeah. And when you, when you heard that, and we'll get into as much as you want to as well, Renee, I, I know how difficult it is. Believe me, I, I understand. Um, But, you know, were you the one that really was the rock and was the one holding the family together when that happened? I can't even imagine my mom. I know how she would feel if stuff like that happened to myself and my sister, and my brother would probably be the ones that hold it together. Were you the one that stepped up and and really really took on the reins then of what you know your brother being the invincible one and now you're going to be the invincible one and keep everybody together and keep keep you know help everybody get through this and yeah. heal through it? I mean, I mean that's what happened is um, I, I kind of felt bad talking about my grief because you know my mom lost a child, yeah. so and um, you know I. It was it was probably soon after that that I became estranged from my dad, and you know I talk about that in the book a little bit. So, mm -hmm. you know, it's just family dynamics just really 
fell apart. And that's kind of what I, you know, one of the points I'd like to talk about is just how a military death is so much different. You know, the grief isn't different. The, the pain is there regardless of whether someone dies yeah. of cancer or a car accident or, but a military death, the, the dynamic surrounding everything is just so complicated. And it's just, it is. um, well, well, how, for people who don't know how, so, cause I do remember you said to me the last time we spoke that there were some family members that supported you writing a book and, and others who didn't. Yeah. I think that's just how it is with, you know, whenever you're, uh, you're kind of opening up that can of worms, you know, yeah. and um, I, I tread very lightly in what I choose to disclose. Obviously, sure. you know, I I, um, I still want to honor people. Um, some I don't I don't want to, but it's you know kind of being no, a bigger you- person. <clears throat> um, but. Uh, I think I, I've, I've talked to enough family members of, you know, fallen military service members that I know I'm not alone. You know, the, um, there's just so many families. I mean, I just got an email a few weeks ago from a husband whose wife lost her brother in a training accident. He was with the 75th, um, Rangers. Okay. And, um, I think he, it was a free fall accident. He fell out of a plane and it was just, I want to say it was just like a year and a half ago that this happened. Um, you know, and he's having trouble kind of navigating her grief because, you know, she's, she's just not processing right now. And I'm thinking, gosh, she's just a year and a half out, you know, I mean, um, I was a mess 18 months out. I mean, my, my whole family life was a mess. My relationships were a mess. And so, yeah, yeah. you know, when I wrote the book, um, I was just cautious on what I wanted to disclose. So, because yeah, well, and you do have, there's, there is anger there. There is oh, some yeah. that like, I mean, why, how, and how come people aren't understanding what I'm going through? And, and you don't understand, but your, your focal point is, as man, it's just, I, 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 People should people should feel that feel not bad for me, but they should they should understand that I'm having issues right now, and they should accept that and not mm-hmm. oh you got to move on yeah. you got to move on. I, I think that was the hardest thing. And again, it, just mine was just teammates, but I should say just, but it was teammates. And it, but it was it the more people said hey you know actually the more people that said hey what's going on what's wrong mm-hmm. can I help. That's what pissed me off more than anything. It's like, guys, just let me let me get through this my mm-hmm. way. And I, I don't know if that was it sounds like, but from what I'm listening to, that's what it sounds like with yourself. It's like, just let me grieve and let me get this figured oh, yeah. out. Oh, I was pissed and, off at the world. I mean, oh yeah, it just it didn't matter who said what or did what, yep. you know, or or even their silence pissed me off. You know, you, yep. there was nothing you could say or nothing you could not say. You know, and I was just angry. So how, when did you find yourself that you started to come out of it? Did faith play a big part? Faith is a huge part in my life. Oh, yeah. That's what got me. That's what got me out of it is God just kicked me in the ass one day and said, Hey, you need to fix your shit. <laughs> and you need to get this, you need to get this wrap. And then it was me fixing it. Mm-hmm. Not somebody else coming in, not a therapist, not a friend. It was God and me having that conversation where he just said, get your ass up. And, st- and this was three, four years after. Yeah. So, so what was, what was yours and was faith part of it? I, I, cause we do get a lot of people out there that listen. And I do believe that it's important to, to hear this. So some people that aren't getting through it have lost God mm-hmm. have, and they need to bring it back in. 
So if you can talk a little bit about that, when you found out that, Hey, I'm actually, when it got over that mountaintop, I'm starting to, I'm starting to recover now. Yeah, it was probably year three. Um, I was in denial for, you know, I was still in shock for a couple of years. Um, it was probably my first attempt at writing the book. And, you know, after I, I read through what I had written, I realized like how angry I was and I was like, this is not good. So, you know, I, I just deleted everything and, and therapy definitely played a part in helping. Um, you know, I've just, I mean, I, I'm still in therapy on and off because certain issues will arise and, you know, and I just, just continue, it's an ongoing process of working through things, you know, when you have compounded trauma. So, um, honestly, probably that, that pivotal moment, because I, I believe forgiveness is huge in healing. Um, so that pivotal moment for me, I mean, I always had, um, you know, an awareness of God, a sensitivity to God. And, um, but it was when I was in ICU and I thought I was dying. I I went into AFib and, um, so my heart was racing, you know, it was like 180 beats a minute at resting. And, you know, they were talking about, you know, shocking my heart, you know, stopping my heart and restarting it. And I, and I was terrified and, you know, I just had this conversation with God about, um, you know, just letting go of that, that hurt and that pain and, you know, kind of like, just give me one more chance type thing. Okay. And, uh, that, now, but you grew up, I mean, you grew up with God in the, when you're as a child, right? You, like I did, you fought, I kicked and screamed going to Sunday school, but I still went. My family still, was not, uh, they were not religious in any, by any means. I wow. actually gained a curiosity when I was 13 years old on my own. And I started to go to a local church and got involved in youth group and, um, you know, accepted, I was probably the first person in my family to accept Christ. And then my brother started going and, and, um, eventually, you know, I think my mom, you know, she got saved when she was, when I was 16 years old. And, um, wow. So I, you, you are, you're the trailblazer. Oh my gosh. <laughs> that, that, that is, that's amazing. Uh, well, you know, and therapy, that's, I, I did therapy for a while. I, I, I actually checked myself when, uh, where I just couldn't take it anymore. And I, mm-hmm. I went into the VA health, mid health. And I said, here, take my cell phones. I'm here. And I, I disappeared for two days because yeah. I don't want anybody to brought, this was 2017, something like it. So yeah, to say that, and we say that on the show to say that it doesn't help. It does mm-hmm. therapy, This, but it gets to a point where do I still need it or am I what else can I do? And there was a point where I reached a, I did, I reached a, a, the, the end of it and like, okay, I, these, you guys have done what you can. Yeah. Now it's up to me to, to, f- to finish it. And that's when, you know, family life came back mm-hmm. in as well. So, so that, but that's amazing. So it is, it, I'm glad people heard that, that it's okay to seek therapy. It's oh, okay yeah. to talk to somebody. In fact, try it, at least give it a shot. And if it doesn't work or it's not working for you, well, I, I at least gave it a shot. Now, what do I do next? Is there, what's, what's the route I have to go now? That path ended. Let's go this path and see if this is going to work. Yeah. But it, cause you're always moving forward. Yeah. You're, you're doing as amazing. Yeah. The most therapeutic um, thing I did was, um, was equine therapy. So that's, that's uh, really, you know, what, 
I did nine months of that. And that was, and that's kind of how we got involved in horses. And that's kind of where my daughters really started to fall in love with horses. And now my 14 year old says, you know, I don't need a therapist. I go to the therapist every day. So it's true. What does she wear? I saw it on, on Instagram. What is she, is, is it like a costume ride? Is that what they're doing now? Is that like coming up or, cause I'm trying to figure out what the hell is she wearing? Yeah. She was wearing a Dorothy thing. costume, but from the Wizard of Oz. That's what it is. Oh, yeah. So it's, I, it's funny that, that you're mentioning the equine. I was just go with what you're saying. Sorry. No, go ahead. No, it's 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 because we have a lag gog on. That's really what it is. Um, I well, I was just gonna say it's funny that you mentioned the equine therapy because I uh, believe it or not, I was listening yesterday to that guy. I don't know if you guys heard of Craig Carton, who was on Sports Radio sixty six, got involved in a whole Ponzi scheme was supposed to go to jail for three years, but because of the COVID um, was released, I think in less than a year. And he said, what really got me through this was talking to horses. And he's like, I know you guys think this sounds crazy. He's like, but yeah, I sat down with a horse like it was a person and told my story and I've never went through this. So does it sound a little strange? Of course, but it sounds like there are other people out there who this has helped. Oh my gosh. It's, it's a huge thing now for, um, for treatment of PTSD and combat yeah. veterans. There's, there's nonprofits all over the country that are helping veterans, um, overcome, you know, post-traumatic stress. Sure. And it's just, it's incredible <clears throat> because the horses mimic your emotion. And so even if you're not aware of what you're feeling or how to express what you're feeling, the horse is displaying it in somehow in some way and and there's a therapist there who's letting you know you know kind of what's happening so you you learn to read the horse as well and it's kind of like looking in a mirror um but you know through the eyes of a horse <laughs> it, it 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 is therapeutic I, I i run around my house and there's a horse farm i run around out here and uh the horse knows me i run by the fence and you'll hear it I, he'll see me mm-hmm. And he'll, you'll hear him just yell, nay, really loud, because he wants me to come over and pet him. I'm like, son of a gun. Okay, I'm coming. And I have mean, never met the horse. I just, he just saw me running by his, his pen every day. But when you do, when you go up to him and it's like they're, they're, they're understanding and they're talking to you, or maybe it's just, I'm just a weird guy. I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm <laughs> but it, it is like, he's talking to me. Yeah. It's like, Hey, let's talk. Let's, let's have a conversation. And then I'll run away and he'll nay at me again. Cause he wants me to come back and pull some more grass from and feed him. And I'll just have to go just see so needy, but it, <laughs> it does make you feel better. Once you get by like, man, that felt good. And, and horses do, they, they do, they do help because it feels like they're listening. It, oh yeah. It really does. They're listening to They're like giant dogs. Yeah. Like they are like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's just like a giant Labrador who you're just, you know, a little bit more, more slobbery, but yeah, I, I know Rick Iannucci in, in Santa Fe, New Mexico, who is a former Green Beret. He has his own ranch, Horses for Heroes, they're, and they're a nonprofit, and they have veterans there uh, who get to ride horses. So, I mean, it, it is a big thing. I do know about that. Yesterday, as I said, ironically, is the first time I heard about the actual speaking with horses. So it's just funny that we're bringing it up again now. Um, you know what I want to get into that, you know, definitely on the more positive end, because I know you brought up the the grief after your brother left, but... What, what did your brother actually do in the military? What do you know about his military career? Uh, well, he was an F-18 pilot, uh, and then um, he deployed to Iraq. And then his second tour to Iraq, he was on the ground. Um, he had transitioned to the 4th Anglico unit down in uh, West Palm Beach as a reservist. And then um, he was a forward air controller. 
So, you know, he just, he used his expertise in the air and, and took it to the ground. And then, um, and that's what he did his, his, um, um, his final deployment in Afghanistan is, you know, he was, uh, the detachment officer in charge and, um, a JTAC. So, you know, he ended up stepping in for one of his, for one of his Marines because he was, they had been, just under heavy fire for a couple of days and he's, you know, watching his guys get shot at on the video feed. Yeah. And, you know, so the night before, you know, he sat down his whole team and he basically, you know, went and told each one of them what they meant to him. And, um, you know, it was just, I think there was a little bit of foreshadowing there, you know, just, I don't know if he knew, you know, if he felt it, but, um, you know, it was the next day that he, they, they got ambushed and they didn't have visual. And so he stood up to expose himself so that, you know, his entire team wouldn't die. And wow. um, he wasn't able to duck down in time and he, um, he was shot. So. Are you in, are you in contact with, because it sounds like you interviewed them for the book or are you yeah. in contact yeah. with any of those guys he served with? Yeah, I continue. We, we see each other every year. Uh, we hold an annual golf tournament for my brother. We, we weren't able nice. to this year. Um, but you know, we've raised, you know, over six figures that 100% goes back to combat veterans to do retreats, uh, like reintegration retreats. Uh, so yeah, I, I see them every year. One, one of his Marines, um, you know, he's like a little brother to me, you know, he's just, we've just kind of, I've kind of adopted him as my brother and <laughs> he's great friends with my husband. And, you know, we're just, we're just always talking guns and, you know, just <laughs> all kinds of fun stuff with him. Do, do you and, want to plug what, what charity that is? Uh, the, ch- yeah. the charity is a renewal coalition. It's in Jupiter, Florida, and they, they fly in, you know, all expenses paid, um, they fly in the the military member and their family for, you know, a weekend, sometimes a week retreat of just, oh, you know, cool. just decompression. So, and if, if a veteran wanted to do that or is interested in it, how do they get a hold of you? How do they, what, is there, is there just Jupiter, just a, not Jupiter, Florida, but renewal or is there, yeah, a, I'm, and I'm we'll, we'll make friends. sure it's on there as well. Yeah, I'm great friends with the with Mary Hinton who runs it. Um, so if they got in touch with me, I could put them in touch with her. So okay, all right, and we'll make sure all that information's out to people. Uh, Ian's, I know he posts all that stuff so people can get yeah. hold. Yeah, um, yeah. This uh, this past year, we were able to buy f- four service dogs with the money we raised from last year's golf tournament. So that was that was pretty awesome. We were able to do that. Now, is it a golf tournament or is it like when I go to these golf foundation things and we just hack and probably drink a little bit it's and then wreck all a the, bunch of drunk the people course. that just <laughs> <laughs> hope for the best yeah. Yeah, and raise golf, a lot of money. Yeah, but use the term golf extremely loose. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, the one I went to, I went to one last year to help out. I was actually, there's deer around. I was trying to hit the deer with the golf balls and by, by the whole eight – and I, I'm not a big drinker. I'm not, yeah. but I had a little bit. I had a. It was. It's fun. We're having a good time, and and we're with the buddies. And you're at the golf course. It's hard not to have a beer. It is. It is. I was actually. They were daring me to try to chase the deer down in the woods to catch it and and, and kill it. They were. I'm like. I. I, mean, I could. I was running through the woods trying to. And it, everybody, everybody was laughing so hard. Tonto's. And I. Had, I think there's a video out there of me running into the woods trying to catch a deer, which there's no no way in hell. I mean, but. It was it was so fun because we had a ton of veterans there, guys that have been yeah. through a lot of stuff, and we were. It, it was 
it was just a blast. And, and you could just tell from the day when the day was over, guys, you just see that from the, when they got there to the end, they just, it's like a weight lifted off the show. Like yeah. they had a good day today. And, uh, and I was beat up though. I had no, I got that next day back to the hotel and I, I had no idea how scratched up I was running into the woods trying to catch a deer, but, but that's, those things are always, always so fun to do. And they're good. The golf, golf outings are so good for, for, for veterans oh, and yeah. they get the civilian population in because everybody, everybody loves golf. Even if you don't play it, when you're at a golf course, you love golf. Yeah. And it, it's fun. It gives something to time to, yeah, it does. Uh, so going when when you know you got the book i know you're the 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 um not the manuscript help me out ian what's oh, it the called screenplay, but this is the screenplay. This is separate right because i i haven't asked you about that yet this is kind no, of separate from the book yeah right? I, I did i want to get into the screenplay what's what's going on with that and what's and and, and who's it with and and just if you can give us more information yeah on. well when i when i wrote the book i i had the forethought of writing it so that people could visualize a film out of it because from the get-go, I knew I wanted to, um, to write a screenplay. Of course, I had no idea. I didn't, I never, I didn't even have any idea how to write a book at the time, but I just figure things out. So I, you know, I'm about 30, 30 pages into the screenplay and, um, I, you know, I just, I, I just pitch, you know, I pitched to four produce to four different production companies back in February, right, right before COVID hit. And it was, um, they were Christian, you know, producers. And, um, after, you know, some thought I was like, I just, I can't take this to the Christian market. I, I don't think they're ready for it. And I can't be as authentic as I want to be. In the film, uh, because I used a lot of restraint in the book, and I just feel to convey that rawness and emotion in a film, um, you know, this isn't like an I can only imagine kind of movie. It's just not. And so I I really want to take it to mainstream and um, try to find a, a big production company. One of Sam's Marines actually contacted me last week. And he was like, hey, I saw you were working on a film because I actually worked on a film the last couple of weeks. I was the production assistant. And Yeah, that's what I was going to ask you when I said something was separate. You're, so you're working on a film called Role Model, which is separate. Correct. Yeah, we wrapped. So, uh, But it was, a, it was really fun because I got to see the entire process of, you know, making a movie before it goes into post-production. Yeah. Um, but... Um, I don't even know where I was going with this. Um, well, well, I was going to ask, what is, what is role model? Because the audience might not know, like, what's the film about? <laughs> no, I will we'll float. Get to try, Ian tries to ha- haggle me. I'm like herding cats. I totally so we, have we can go over brain, the place. too. We're fine. No, it's all good. But yeah, what is what is role model about? Because I did see that you worked on it, but I don't yeah. know anything about the film. Yeah, it's, it's about a young man who uh, finds out his wife is pregnant and he gets – he gets fired from his job and finds out his wife is pregnant all in the same day. And so he ends up leaving his wife and then he begins to have these, um, these visions of his estranged and deceased father who, you know, sort of comes and visits him and, and just tries to talk sense into him and, you know, from making the same mistakes he made. And, you know, it's really about, um, you know, walking through your, your fear of failure and, and, forgiveness and you know doing the right thing so um it's a just a really great positive movie and and um yeah so it was great to be on that set and it it sounds like you went there with the other goal of i want to see how this is done so i can do my own thing 
Yeah, it was. And then I ended up making these great friendships and, you know, just uh, learning a lot. It was it was neat to be on the, that that side of it and seeing how how a movie's made. Now, are you pitching? Like I said you're pitching to big production companies. Are are, I have, are you right now? Or are you you're in the process of of, of finding some or lining them up? Yeah, I'm in the process. Honestly, I, I don't really know how to go about doing it except for you know finishing the screenplay and then entering it into different um, contests and things like that. Uh, you know. Oh, now I know what I was going to say. My a friend of my brother's contacted me last week. He saw I was making a movie, and he said that he just got a job as the media liaison for the Marine Corps. And so what he does is he reads and edits scripts for um, for accuracy. And so so he's like, so if you need F eighteen, what I would do is I would go and I would coordinate with a unit and we would get you an F-18 and we would, you know, set up the combat scenes and everything. Yeah. So we would make sure that you're representing the Marine Corps accurately in your screenplay. And I'm like, okay, well, what do I have to do to hire you? And he said, you have to get a really big production company backing. So right. I'm like, okay, no problem. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, e- easy. Yeah, I just, I just, I'll just call, I'll just call Paramount right. on the phone and I'll be right back with you. Exactly. So that's kind of where I'm at right now. I just need somebody. Have to you liked any of these movies? Them. I'm sorry. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's fine. And by the way, for the audience, if, uh, if we're talking over each other, just that there's a little bit of a lag, it, it yeah. happens. I think it might be the weather here or there, but, um, yeah, have have you liked some of these movies that have dealt with the military grieving process, like American Sniper going into what his wife went through, or have any of those movies, in your opinion, accurately reflected what you and your family went through? Um, I have a, a hard time watching uh, combat movies. I have not seen Thirteen Hours, although I, I really want to see it. Um, but every time I see a military movie, my husband kind of screens at first and he's like, no, you can't watch that. You're, you won't be able to handle it. So one night while he wasn't around, I watched American Sniper. (laughs) So, um, yeah, I thought, um, I thought, I thought it, it, I mean, I'm not a widow, so I can't really, you know, say from that perspective. Uh, but yeah, I, I mean, I would say, you know, that character was, conveyed accurately um you know i've seen movies like taking chance you know and just i I pay special attention to um the family members and and um you know how they're conveyed on screen and um i i just i don't think there's ever been a film made that has really um touched on you know the, the family that the aftermath of yeah. of what what happens and you know we kind of we kind of end it with the funeral and then you know there's years no that's true yeah that's true that's true that's that's a different is, is that every one of every war movie that's out there including ours it, it does it ends that's where it ends it ends with the coffins going on the mm-hmm. plane and and you don't see the family. Granted, you know, there's family in it. Even in ours, there's a lot yeah. of the phone calls home. And, and that was actually very accurate. The, the conversations that you have with your loved one when you're deployed. And, but you're right. Nothing after the fact that I know of. And um, 
no, it's, it's be good to have something like that out there. And, and again, a good to always, even though war's hell and, and it, it, it war's war, mm-hmm. I, you know, I'm not downplaying your, your brother's death, but I, you know, it wars, that's war. Yeah. People are dying that you're, you're in those situations. Um, but you know, <clears throat> what we need to do and do is, is set, show that, but, and hopefully, you know, it's, it's, you're a very positive person. The movie, when it gets made, and it will, when it gets made, that there is a positive, positive spin. Oh the yeah, end. absolutely. There's, there's got, there's got to be. Yeah, um, I, I can picture it in my head. Um, it's a lot different uh, writing a screenplay where you have to show the audience versus yeah. writing a book where you're telling them yeah. how they're going to yeah. feel. Um, you know, so. <clears throat> That. Why don't you just give us the ending now and then <laughs> I'm good. Don't, don't, I'm good. I'm good. Don't, 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 don't. Here I am. I, I survived. <laughs> <laughs> no, and, uh, well, are, are you, how far along are you? I mean, we, we're getting to, we're, are you at a, I know you got 30 pages, but are you feeling like you're on point? And if you could set a timeline to get it done, what would be the best case scenario to, Hey, we're going to go into, go into filming, go into production now and we're going to get it done. Yeah. If I, if I really buckled down, I could probably have it done in eight weeks because I have the storyboard done. I have the outline done. You know, I wrote the book. So I I know what scenes would, I I really want to have, I know the scenes that I would change to make it, you know, more dramatic for film and, um, you know, I would change a little thing, a few things just to, to make it more, you know, adaptable to, to the screen. Sure. Um, so yeah, if I, if I had time, I could, I could have it done in, uh, in a couple months, but it's, it's, you know, you got to go back to those dark places again. You know, yeah. that's what's yeah. hard. You, you do. So you have to take your time. So don't push yourself on that. I, don't, don't say Tano said I had to have it done in eight weeks or no, or you've got to do it. Cause yeah. I'm going to call you on it later. No, <laughs> just, just, just Take your getting through this and moving on moving and you you're actually still very successful you're even more successful from what it sounds like than back back when your brother was 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 uh, going in the military and we we always want to put this on the show and tell people that are going through hard times that went through hard times like like you have been and that you continue to fight them which we all do that have those demons that we have what would you tell somebody to just keep grinding to keep pushing on don't give up and, and talk you know we've talked about your low points how do you continue to get through them and what do you what would you tell somebody if they said hey i'm i, I don't i don't want to be here tomorrow what do, what do i do how can i do how can i overcome and, and continue to to live and not not give up yeah know? um I, I don't think there's like <clears throat> um you know like this one thing that you, you can tell people, you know, my, my brother, um, he, he always told me that the extra mile is never crowded. So I, I just, I always think, you know, if I can outlast somebody else, you know, who, you know, who I'm doing, eventually somebody's going to take notice, you know? So I think if, if somebody's in a dark place, um, you know, making it one more day, you know, um, I don't know, you know, it's just, I, it's something deep within you that you have to, yeah. that you have to just know that you're here for a purpose and it, yeah. it's the will to live. Honestly, it, it's, it's the will to get back up and to, yeah. to know that 
there's something greater out there for you. You know, we're, we're not meant to be, you know, in this, you know, stuck in this place of trauma and, and oh, grief yeah. and depression and, you know, all of those things. So, right. yeah. I, and that's what we say. And that's what people have come on the show. So it's, it's always comes back to something very similar where it's just, you just got to get up and take another step mm-hmm. when you don't want to just take another step. And eventually you're going to take another step, then take another. And then eventually one day you're going to be running mm-hmm. and then you're going to wake up and be like, Oh my gosh, I can't move again. All right. Take that other step. That's the same thing. Yeah. And it, it, it comes back down to, again, it's within yourself which is what you just said. It's within you. It's, it's nobody else can do it for you. Some people can, can yank you every once in a while to get you moving, but it's you that, that gets you going and running and, and getting back on your feet. And it, and it takes time. Yeah. So, uh, and again, I, I pretty much knew what you're going to say because it's, pretty, <laughs> but, and you said it, you said exactly. I've, I, cause I'm the same way. And I think everybody that's been through trauma um, and you've been through hell of trauma, anyone that's been through trauma that's when they've come out and they've been successful, they've come out that way. And it always was, mm-hmm. I had to get myself out of it. I had to find a way to do it. And that's not selfish. That's, that's the truth. Yeah. I mean, there's so, still, there's yeah. still discouraging days, you know, where I, oh, yeah. I feel like a failure, you know, and, and I bounce that off my safe people, you know, usually my husband or my mom, you know, and they're mm-hmm. like, you know, Renee, 95% of people who say they're going to write a book, never write a book. Yeah. Yeah, you know? you're no failure. Come so on. So it's just, yeah. you know, it's, it, well, I mean, you know, that negative self-talk just creeps in sometimes and, and, you know, days that I want to quit, like, why am I doing that? Why would I possibly believe that this, my story could actually be made into a movie when I'm not some, you know, I'm not a Navy SEAL, <laughs> you know, I'm the sister. Nice work. I am. Fist bump. Woohoo. So, no, you know, no, I've no. got to outlast all of them. <laughs> but that's awesome. I mean, I'm excited to see it when this happens. And, and I agree it will happen. And, you know, since you since you mentioned him, we should mention as well that your husband as well is a service member. Yeah, he was with the uh, 919th Special um, special operations group, maintenance group in at Duke field or near Egg, oh, Eglin air force base. Near Eglin. Yeah. Yep. No, that's a, yeah, that place sucked for me. That was, <laughs> that was swamp phase. I mean, near swamp phase of Rangers. Yeah. My, um, so, actually yeah, a really, really yeah. good friend of mine, uh, Jesse Anderson is an army ranger. He, he taught there at the, um, at the ranger school there. Oh, he was, a, he was, a, yeah, the RI of Swamp Phase. Actually, that is a great place to to be stationed. It's just terrible to be. I mean, that's like the last phase of Ranger School. Yeah. And you're emaciated. I remember going there, and it was December. Mm-hmm. And we just left mountains in North Georgia, freezing. I mean, I was freezing, and all the you all they give you these little green woolly gloves, and my fingers had split. They look like ballpark franks because the <laughs> woolly gloves suck all the moisture out yeah. of them. So every one of my fingers had split down the bone. I mean, down from the fingernail. I mean, literally, it did. It looked like that. I mean, it looked like when you cook a hot dog too long in a in a microwave. It just. Yeah. And uh, I remember getting a, going to Florida. I'm like, oh my gosh, we get to be warm. We're going to Florida, and it's December in Eglin, and it's not warm. And it was like, it was because it's so humid. It was and it was 40 degrees. Yeah. But it felt like it was 20, and I we jumped in, and I jumped in, mm-hmm. and we got, and I remember hitting the ground going. Son of mother. I wanted to be, I was so pissed off that I it wasn't warm and I was just crying on, I was like, oh my, this place sucks. I got to pull. And, um, but 
then I saw, you know, going and I, I saw the, the, uh, the, and they had some great instructor and it was a cool base. It was a really yeah. cool base. And, and after we left, I, I just got to talking to guys, the RIs and something like, man, this is an awesome, awesome base to be a RI at, but I had nothing but misery there. <laughs> nothing but misery, but it was, it was beautiful and it was surreal. Yeah. It, it was a very surreal training environment there. Um, so that's cool. That, I mean, that, did, now, so did you live you guys were you was he stationed there? Or did you live there? Yeah, we were you, there for ten years. Oh, where'd you did you live we lived like in nearby? Uh huh. In Crestview. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. Crestucky is what awesome. we call it. Crestucky. <laughs> was it awesome? No, I hated it. Like, I hated all types of it. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, we each have our difference. Well, I said I hated my time there. I didn't live there, but I uh, they had a, they had this place called the Gator Bar. Though we got to eat everything we when we graduated. Yeah. I th- I gorged myself on two pizzas, uh, three pops, four hot dogs. It's two Snickers bars, the large ones, and two two little things of Ben and Jerry's Chunky Monkey. <laughs> Yeah, uh, it, it would have been better if we would have lived, you know, closer to the beach. So Destin, yeah. Destin was our, our yeah. place to go. So, but yeah, yeah, I mean, that's the whole. I would think that's the whole appeal of living in Florida. Oh, yeah. I've thought of living in Florida, and I'm like, yeah, you want to be by the beach. But um, no, I, I think that's a great way to wrap things up here. Once again, the book is always my hero: the road to hope and healing following my brother's death in Afghanistan. ReneeNickel.com at Renee underscore nickel on Instagram. That's R-E-N-E-E underscore N-I-C-K-E-L-L. And then R at R-M nickel on Twitter. Uh, but this has been great. People need to check out the book. And I think also anybody who's going through what yeah. you went through or something similar, they're going to get something out of it and they're going to realize there's hope on the other end. And and I think it's it's very courageous to come on here and say, I had to go through therapy and in your case that you're still yeah. doing therapy and there's, there should never be any shame in that. And that's why I was yeah. trying to say if, um, you know, just cause Chris, for example, might not be on antidepressants and then it wasn't good for you for someone else. It, it might be their saving be. grace. It's, it's, as you kind of said, Renee, like individual for everybody, they're all going to find something that gets them through a, a horrible time yeah. and come out on the other end and, and be able to handle anything from there because once you've handled that, you can go through anything. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. I mean, I, I used antidepressants for six months after, um, actually, I, I, after I was, I was placed, my husband put me in a treatment facility for three days, you yeah. know, so, um, but I didn't want to be on that forever. And, and, and I was able to get off of it and start really working through things. So. That's no, that's amazing. Yeah, that's great. You can talk, we should be able to talk about stuff like that. And, and and with me, I still do the CBD oil. I think it works great. It works a lot better than the than the medication. But I, I you know, to say that I don't need anything. Well, no, nah, I still do something. It's what works for me. And it's what I've tried. But I wouldn't have known that if I wouldn't have gone mm-hmm. through therapy and I wouldn't have tried the antidepressants. I would have been, well, nothing's going to work for me. Well, then you're really not trying to improve yourself. If nothing is going to work for yeah. you, then you're being negative. But how do we know unless we go do it? And and um. No, and and your husband deserves kudos as well. Uh, you know, for for sticking in, and sticking there and, and helping me. you through it. And putting, <laughs> I tell that with tell that with my wife. Yeah, that's why I say because uh, we've you know we uh you know we got you know my wife with has just went through hell with me. I put her through hell, and, and she's still stood right by me. So yeah. really, she's the strongest one out of, out of the out of the bunch. It's always the. It is it's always it is team. It's a to get through it, and I've seen it. Seen more people more 
veterans and veterans families are more successful when it's the team oh, that yeah. get them through it. And that's the husband and wife, you know, your daughter, actually, before we go, your daughter and doing the horses and what place did she, t- I, I read it, but what she took, what place on that? And what was that for? I, I saw on your Instagram page when she yeah. was doing the steeplechase there. Yeah, it was, uh, it was their Halloween event. And uh, she she placed second um, in her division nice. for dressage, um, which she does. She hates dressage. Uh, she wants to be jumping. She said if her horse accidentally jumped over you know, a seven foot fence, she would be hanging on and just be so excited. She's like, "Mom, I don't have any fear." But so that's what I that's what I hope to uh, instill in my kids is you know perseverance and hanging oh, on for dear life. I think life. he did that already. Yeah. yeah, I think you're on. Yeah, I think they're already there at the work. And yeah, post more pics. Those are that's some cool pics. She loves I, it. I did like. That. Yeah, she loves it. Yeah. <laughs> she works for her lessons, so she's out there, um, you know, cleaning stables, doing it all, and, and, feeding, yeah. grooming, and and she loves every second of it. So oh, I, cool. I need a movie to be able to buy her a horse. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we'll we'll put our feelers out there too. I don't know if I can, uh, I I don't know if it's a Michael Bay type movie and he doesn't even talk to me anymore anyway. (laughs) I want to get Michael Bay on the podcast. Can I tell you something something real quick? Yeah. So I'm so jealous that you know, John Krasinski because Sam, he was an avid office watcher. And so after he was killed, I started watching The Office, and it's like what got me through a lot of oh, wow. really dark moments. Yeah. And I always said, you know, if if a movie's ever made, I want John Krasinski to play Sam John because Krasinski. he does this eyebrow and this this smirk. And um, and so sometimes I just watch it just to feel close to my brother. So um, you know, I just, well, I I, I don't. I, I haven't talked to him in since the movie. I talked to Pablo more than, but we've got his. I got his number, so we can reach out. <laughs> I think and ask him. I don't get starstruck, but I think he's the one person I may pass out if I ever met him. So, <laughs> oh my gosh, we'll get that on video. Definitely, <laughs> get that. It, you, you know what? His wife, though, we she came and I met his wife uh, Emily. She is a sweet. They both are the nicest yeah, people I bet. in the world. John, John was the nicest guy on set. He's a nice on the side, and Emily Blunt was. She was just sweet, and my she she my daughter and my sister knew that, and I she just took the time. She was pregnant at the time when Thirteen Hours came out, and I remember her just taking the time with the with the family. And that's how that's how actors and people that yeah. to me that's how they should be. Yeah, that's, absolutely. You're, you're, and it was it was a very very pleasant experience. Uh, but yeah, if John gets, I'll I'll we'll I'll get you his number whether he gets back to you or not. I. It might be a little creepy. I don't know. But, you we'll know. See. <laughs> yeah. Say, hey, Tano. So Chris told you who? Who the hell is that? What? <laughs> yeah. yeah. No. All right. Well, I, Renee, it's been it's been awesome. No, I appreciate it. You, and your 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 testimony has been fantastic. I hope people again pick something. And you are you're 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 getting through and, and just just bearing things out there, telling them how this is how I'm getting through it, and not being ashamed to say it. That's how we all should be. Yeah. Uh, and and that's how people are going to be able to do things that maybe they're worried or what worried about what others will think about them if they do it. And um, when they find out, hey, we all done it here. I'm, I'm a guy that has myself. Yeah. And go, that's how you get better. So fantastic. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, as I said uh, during the intro, I want to get to an uh, email that we got from John Fox uh, sent to Battleline Podcast at BattlelinePodcast.com. I try to get to whatever we can. And oh, and by the way, I should point out, 
any of you who won uh, Luke Ryan's book, I sent those out last week. So by the time you hear this, they should have been there or they'll be there any any day now. So, uh, yeah, thanks for sending those. Battlelinepodcast at gmail.com. Uh, yeah, from John Fox. For Tonto and that fitness nerd guy. First, first question. Uh, this one, I, this is something you said. So, first question: Why do you lift after you run? As a runner myself, oh, yeah. I prefer my kettlebell and body weight exercises before my runs. That's his first question. Um, we, uh, we'll do the second. we will, because I was going to say this is all you, because I would not do that, but I know this is your thing. Yeah, yeah. Actually, this, this actually, and that's I, if you lift before you run, you're going to put on mass. If you lift after you run, it's where you you tone up, you thin out. It is. It's because your metabolism's going. And to be honest, I think it started not from college, because college we you know we 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 just lifted. I we do sprints, but I hated running distance. But when you get in the military. The first thing you do for PT is you run first. You do, you run, and then you go to the gym after. And Ranger Battalion especially, you don't ever hit the, the Battalion Fitness Center first. You go do your five miles, six miles, three miles fast, and then you go hit and you do the weights. But as I studied this, and my and my wife too, she's a, she was a national – what is it? The NTSC national strength and conditioning. One of those memberships. Okay. She was a, a trainer like yourself. Yeah. She was, but you know, I, 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 she, she, I asked her, I said, cause I said, I want to stay lean. I don't want to bulk up every time I bulk up and I played at 195 in college. I was, I can't even believe, I can't even imagine you at 195. You're shorter than me. Like I know. And I was, I, you know, I was five, nine, five, 10. Actually I have shrunk an inch. I have, um, since right time, but I, I I was I was a lot bigger and I could bench my max was like I could do three fifteen four four times and I was Damn. but when I got to, that does is not conducive to being a ranger it's not you have to be lean you have to be able to go distances but you have to maintain your strength too and I learned that though doing the cardio first and then lifting after is what kept me leaner but kept my strength up. And, and then also, you know, the number of reps you do and the weights, you know, heavier weights, less reps, you're going to get bigger, more reps, less weight, you're going to get leaner. So um, with me, it was always that was the ability for me to stay lean. And I, I always tell people, if you want to get lean, you do your cardio first and then you come and you push yourself in the gym after your metabolism is going crazy and you 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 just you're, you're able to, to thin out and you get that lean look where if you want to get big you do your lifting first and you have more energy to do your lifting first. So you're lifting heavier weights. If yeah. You you're get lifting your max before. and yeah. all that. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And then you do cardio after and that, that, that gets you that, that gets you our, our, our that gets you the, uh, the big, the big look, which, uh, I, I, I am not, I can't go distances. I've tried to be 185 and be able to run six, seven miles. And it just takes a toll on my body where if I'm at 160, 165, which is what I was at range battalion, I can go. And, and that's what I like to be. My strength in me is feeling like I can just be able to run, 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 and then also get on the pull-up bar and do 20 pull-ups and, and push-ups and then continue to run and fight. And it's, keeping lean is, is key to that for me. You you saying <clears throat> what you just said is interesting because I saw another guy I want to get on the podcast. Um, I'm thinking of his the name of his book, 100 Deadly Skills, Clint Emerson. Oh, Clint Emerson, yeah. Um, he has that exercise program that's run, fight, run. So I think it's like you hit a heavy bag or something and then you run and then, and then you do something else that's, you know, combat related. And then you run another lap and that that's his program. And there's that we did that. That's something we'll do too. I'll do state, we call them stations. And I do the same thing where like last night I, 
last uh, ran, then I hit, then I lifted. Yeah, I did a, I did wide grip bench and close grip bench because I do my normal benches on Monday, and then I did, I did some of the, the, uh, I, I like doing them now, the um, Diamond Dallas. Oh yeah. Push-ups. Oh, I love doing <laughs> those things now. And then I hit the heavy bag at the end, you know, and, and got a cool. good, good, good. So doing stations is awesome, and I, and it breaks things up. And Clint, basically, that's what he's doing is you're just doing and you're breaking it up into different exercises so you're not getting that okay i gotta do three sets of 10 let's just knock them out you're you're keeping that metabolism going and we gotta um, get him on by the way clint is the man he's he's one of the nicest guys i don't know if you ever got to meet him but he's a honestly super humble guy with his resume he's seal team six he's done quite a lot and he's just such a down-to-earth guy we we will we're 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 social media buddies and you know we follow each other on the pages and and i i don't i i and i'm sure he's the same way i don't follow follow the the big arrogant or uh, i clinton and i've never heard anything bad about clinton my circles so yeah i you know i i think he's a i I would love to have him on the show but to say like we're buddies or nothing i can't say just social media friends but i've never from the circles i ran in I've never heard anything bad about him. And I like the way he trains. He trains similar to the, this kind of the same belief system. The run fight run is, is essentially what it is, man, but it does lean you out. My, my goal also is to stay at 165, 170 because any heavier than that, unless I'm just doing hundred meter sprints playing college football, I, my body doesn't function well that way. And it, I get injured. My knees back yeah. and stuff just don't feel right. And you're, you're not trying to look like <laughs> Nick Irving. No, <laughs> well, I, well, Nick, I, I have to be five, two. No, Nick's a Nick's and again, and Nick's awesome guy. I love poking fun of him. Cause he's short. He's one of he's, you see the meme where you see a Ranger and then you see a five, two Ranger come in and you see the Ranger all puffed his chest up. Cause and it's just like, Hey, the, the feeling a Ranger gets when a shorter Ranger comes in and cause majority of us, seriously, majority of Rangers are about five, nine, five, 10. So when you get somebody comes in that's five four five five, you're like, oh my gosh, I'm tall. Yeah, like tall. he's short, but he is jacked. But the thing is that as as you're saying, that is not what Nick looked like when he was a ranger. That's no. post ranger Nick. Post ranger, and a lot of guys don't want to go that route. And I I I, I love you know I, I have much respect for Nick, and I have respect because he's I've never met him personally. We never have. It's You've never met Nick. Wow. We, I've, him and I have I've never hung out Nick, tons. Nick is awesome. I definitely want to get him on the show, but yeah, he's super just down to earth, cool guy. Just and genuine guy. And yeah. when I was working at Sirius and he was like doing his media stuff, there would be times I would just be walking in the street and I'd see him outside of Fox news. So I've, I've talked to Nick many times. I've, I've gotten like sushi with Nick. Uh, he's just such a cool guy. And, and we used to yeah. talk very, we used to talk very often, honestly, um, well, well, we, we we'll hadn't in a, in a while, but yeah, we, I would love to get Nick on. And I, I, we, I said, we have the same circle of friends as well. And, and being from the Ranger battalion, we, we do, I, we, we always, we're, we're, I would say we're friends, even though we've never met, but we are again, another social media friend that is another guy that I, I like his posts. I like that. He's pretty indifferent. He doesn't get political. I like that. He's a, he posted one with his son recently, a picture. I love that. And yeah. I, and that's the kind, you know, guys like that guys like Leo, you know, guys like uh, Luke, you know, guys that Rangers, because that's how Rangers really are. And they're all, we're, we're just, if you come to Ranger Battalion, it's not a bunch of knuckleheads and it's a bunch of eclectic guys come from so many different, different areas, different genres, <laughs> different beliefs until you get them with that scroll on their shoulder. And then it's 
game on. But then when we're not, it's, hey, we all go do our different things. You know, it's, but I love that. I love that about 75th Ranger Regiment. And you can tell with all the difference. And Marty, Scovelin's another one. Hippie Marty. You know, who would think Hippie Marty's a brain? Hippie Give me Marty the big would, dude. Marty, 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 Marty's a big guy. He's a good guy. And Matty Waters, another one. Just, just the difference of guys. But when you come together at battalion, watch out, man. Yeah. But then when we're not together, we can go do our different things and, and nobody cares. And we all respect each other for the most part. <laughs> we have our differences from time to time. Yep. But yeah, Nick would be great, buddy. Nick yeah, for sure. I, and I'll get to the second question from John because uh, we went on for the first one. Uh, <laughs> second question. What would the physical fitness and shooting standards be for a contractor versus a ranger? I personally believe us Second Amendment civilians should look at that as the goal. And once again, that's John Fox. You know, I I will battle line. I'll be having some what we call stress fire courses coming up next year. Uh, And I'm not selling you on it, brother. But if you want to see kind of what it is just on a day, come to a stress fire course. Come to see. And a lot of the the training stages that I'll put in that stress fire course are are stuff that we used to do as a contractor contractor or and some of the stuff that i used to pull for, that we used to do at range battalion um so here give you an example range battalion when i was a 240 gunner we would go to the range and okay she got to be in good shape so again we've, we've already done our pt for the day we've ran we've done a lot of we even road marched five miles out to the range itself and then for one of our training cycles again i'm the 240 gunner i got a 240 which is it's if you know what 240 is it's 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 the replacement of the m60 it's a belt fed weapon um, got some ammo on me. Uh, I got my body armor on me, Ranger body armor. It wasn't that light, light, the little stuff that's all form fit. It's that heavy RBA shit that I, oh, I can stand it. helmet. And what we would do to start off on this dress far, we won't do this for civilians, but I'll do something similar, but I'll water it down a little bit for safety standards, safety reasons. But we would start 200 meters from the range. And as a team, we would have to run and jump over a building, which is a single foot building, which is the rain shack, get over the top of it, and then continue to run to our different positions to get down and start shooting. And then you get up and you run again. And you would do that for 300 meters. But part of it is, again, with all your gear on climbing over buildings, you don't have ladders, you don't have ropes, you have to figure out how to get over as a team and then work together as a team. And you would do that over and over and over all day. And then you would do it again at night. And I remember there was one time I was so tired, I just... I was so tired and I talked about it in the Ranger way, actually, I, it was a night shot, night shoot. We were running and just smoked. We've been training all day. We had walked out there. We've been out there for two days already. And I couldn't, I could, I needed to move. And when I got up to move, I, for some reason, I just, I couldn't figure out how to grab my weapon. I, I was so tired. And what I did is I grabbed the barrel and I had my Nomex gloves on and the Nomex melted to my hand, but I was that worried that I was going to get my ass chewed out by my sergeant that I knew was going to hurt, but he was in my ear going, move Ranger, move you motherfucker, move, move. You got to fucking and shit. And I would just <laughs> grab the, and I'm, I had a huge, I mean, it just melted the glove all of my, I mean, usually just third degree, bam, right there. But that's, that's Ranger battalion. And that was smoking fest. So the contract world, it's not going to be, <laughs> you, you do get smoked. You all go through stuff and you go through, uh, Forging, if you go through CQD stuff, or you go through the, the TDC course, the training uh, tactical development course, if you're going to be GRS. And there is smoke. There is some hard training, but it's it's your contractor. Now. You're civilian. So you, 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 you the difference is that you don't have somebody screaming in your ear anymore. Your stress level is that if you don't pass the stages, you don't get to work. 
So if you go up and you do a shooting stage, which we'll do a couple of stages during my stress fire courses, there's running to it. You got to move. You got to run to different positions. The stress there is that if you drop a shot, one shot, you're not going to pass. And that's stress enough because you don't get to work. And that gets the stress levels up. So I would say physical, no, range of battalion, no, of course. it's You're going to have more physicality during the range of training than you do being a civilian contractor. Well, you know um, what I was going to throw out there, if you don't mind, the thing that no, I no, noticed no, no, just on ahead. the outside when you talk about the physicality, kind of as I said how Nick Irving didn't look the way he looks now when he was a ranger, you do have to be lean, you do have to be able to run. But then you have a guy like, look at Dale Comstock, yeah, how he looks. Yeah. Dale is big and jacked. He has that look. And he's still a contractor. He, con- he yeah. did not look like that when he was in Delta Force. No, I, so I think there is a, an endurance aspect of it more so when you're in, but it's also you're forced to do the endurance because you're you're in the military. You have PT in the morning, whereas you're a contractor, it's on you. And yeah, we do have a PT test. We do have a standard. And honestly, I, I, I PT tested as a contractor to me was a joke. It was so easy, um, but it's on you though. You can't be out of shape either. And if you're out of shape, you're not going to pass it either. So, but it's on you to make sure you maintain some PT standards and you're right. Ian's exactly right. Guys that become contractors, they get, they get, do you you think that's because like when you're hired privately, they like that look, they like the guy because you can't blend in. I mean, I would never want to ride in a car in an area where we're supposed to be low pro covert with a guy that's jacked because nobody in Afghanistan <laughs> looks like Dale Comstock. Nobody, sure. y- you can't. So I think a lot of it is, is, uh, you know, and I don't say Dale's doing, I'm just, no, but in general, but uh, you, but, I think a lot of it's just, it's, 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 it's a persona. You sure. Take it on. Yeah. Some of it might be though. And, and you could tell me on this, if guys are doing private security where they're, you know, Maybe not even in a foreign country where they need to look intimidating. You're right. You're not, and that's it depends on the job. You're exactly right. If if you're doing private security, you're doing EP work, you do want to give that persona of hey, don't fuck with me. You know, I don't don't mess with me. And you give the big look. You're giving that look. I'm overt security. I'm looking outward. I, I'm I'm outward security. I want you to know who I am. Where the jobs that I like to do or the stuff that I didn't want you to know who I was. I didn't want you to know I was sitting in the background over here. And and because of my body type, it worked better for me that way than being the uh, protecting <laughs> my principle. But but you're right. It depends on the job too. And but I also think a lot of guys that get out and and you see it overseas, they get into male hormone therapy. I'll just chose that term loosely. And yes. and that's <laughs> that's part that that is part of it's not a stereotype. That's part of when people get into contracting because you don't have all that oversight where in the army you can't do that shit. Range of battalion, you can't do anything that is illegal because you'll get popped out, but there is a different, it is, it's, it's more endurance and Rangers. It's even more endurance. I think than even other branches of service, right? The, the, it is, you have to be thin. You have to be lean. You have to be able to run. And every once where you get this, this atypical guy that is six, five and monstrous, but he can still run a 12 minute, two mile, you know? And, and, and so, um, yeah, so I, it, it all depends, but there, you, you still have to be physically, physically in good shape as a contractor. You do. Cause you still, every once in a while, even like you have to be ready, you have to be ready for a night like Benghazi where you've got to have that endurance. It doesn't come all the time where at range battalion. Yeah. You have to be able to, that probably going to come more often, but if you don't have, uh, at least you're not in good shape and you have to move at a moment's notice and you have to fight for a long period of time and you have to jump over walls, you have to be in good shape and have endurance to do that. So I, I think, yeah. No, I, I was wondering when you talk about the blending in, 
I'm curious, at the very end of your security contracting, was it harder to blend in with the notoriety? Because at the very end of your security, you know, contracting was the same time you were on Fox News, you were out in the public. Did, did you ever get recognized? Um, the When I was going to Yemen, I had, we hadn't come out yet. So that was that was the book hadn't come out. That was six months after Benghazi. Um, no, but I so, mean, you were doing contracting. For yeah, quite coast, some time yeah actually. Yeah. It, it, but that was mainly in South America. And yes, I did get recognized. And so, yeah, it was, it was like. No, I, I I did something and it was in South America. It was in Costa Rica and um, it was doing an anti-kidnapping contract. And all I was doing was surveillance and counter surveillance and some little protection. But yeah, I, I, I handed my passport when I flew into is it San Jose, Costa Rica, I think is the capital where you fly into. And I handed the guy my passport and he, he spent, you know, he's, he's Costa Rican. He looks down, he looks up. It was Tano. And I, and I went like this. <laughs> And I was like, man, well, I guess I can't do this anymore. And then when I flew back into the States, every TSA and every every guy, uh, uh, Homeland Security guy that was doing the passports, they knew I was. I mean, even the dog, they could they walk by and, and they were like, what are you doing? Because they were like, not what are you doing? I'm like, where, what are you doing? I said, I just came back from a trip. And so I knew and that was OK with me. It's like, yeah, I probably don't need to be doing this anymore because all I'm doing is putting other people in danger as well. And I'm not pumping myself up because who knew if I was on the ground and people actually knew me when I was actually walking around in the areas, probably not. Cause nobody came up to me when I was doing my security and said, if you've ever been to Costa Rica, it's, 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 it's have, got yeah. its own. Yeah. It's, I mean, it, Hey, it's a tourist trip. They, they have malls, they have, you know, they have restaurants, they have, you know, it's, and I was in all these places doing surveillance on uh, some of these things I was trying to get done. I had nobody ever come up and tap me on the shoulder and say, 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 como? Hey, what? what? <laughs> so, um, um, but I did coming in and out of the airports. Yeah, I did. And that's all right. You know, it's, it's yeah, no, it I is. mean, I would think it would compromise things a little bit because yeah, even when yeah. I met you, which was after the book came out, I didn't know that you were doing contracting. And, uh, but most people wouldn't. Usually you see someone on Fox News who's retired Army Ranger, former contractor. <laughs> you assume that this is what they're doing now, which is what you were, you were doing, speaking engagements. I was doing a lot. also doing yeah. this, which you weren't. You obviously were not advertising. I, I missed it. I loved my work. I, I loved the job. I loved going overseas. I loved doing that. I loved being immersed and being on my own. Uh, I love going in and, or even just being with a buddy that's over watching you, but just doing that stuff and blending in with the local populace. It, yeah. So I just, I missed it. So, and it would help me get my mind right a lot, but there, then it became, a t but that was also when I was, you know, I was estranged from my wife where I wasn't with my family. So I think it was filling that hole. And then when I got missed that other Halloween, actually it would have been three years ago <laughs> today, sitting there going, man, I'm missing another fucking Halloween. What am I doing? And it was, I got to quit doing this shit. And that was actually, I was in Costa Rica. I remember that I was sitting in the hotel room. I just got done, got back to the room and I'm like, gosh, damn it. And um, I realized, okay, it's out of my system. So at least I, I was, I'm very lucky that I kind of got to have my cake and eat it too. Yeah, I got to do all this stuff with the media and guys, people that want to do that, do the, do the, do the uh, book and the movie and, 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 you know, speaking events. But then I also would go overseas, not, not to the stands and not to North Africa, but I got to go do stuff in South America, which was, which was fun. And my Spanish comes back. So I, you know, I can blend in. I, I feel comfortable. I can go to Starbucks there in San Juan and, you know, order me a, 
order me a, a, a cafe de leche, you know, I can order and it'd be and, and blend in. It feels, feels, I feel comfortable, but, um, yeah, there comes a point though. You got to realize and it did. It was like, man, I, my family has got to come first. That's what I'm missing. And, um, since have since gone and I, I'm not going to deploy again. I don't have any, I don't have never say never, but I have no wants to, and I don't feel like I have to prove anything to myself anymore to go overseas and continue to work guys that continue to do it. Good on you. I just, it's not in me anymore. It's got to be in your system. If it's not there, don't do it because you're going to get someone hurt or you're, yeah. you're going to get killed yourself. And it's not in me anymore. I don't, I have no wants to, Nah, I'm good at home. I'm good doing this on Fridays from 11 to yep. one. And I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm good. I'm good being home and just enjoying life now and saying, you know what? I did what I need to do. The rest is gravy. The rest of my life is just gravy. I, I, I get it, man. You know what it's like when I hear you say that, and I've heard you say it before. Uh, I, I didn't actually watch it live, but that last Tyson fight in the uh, Tyson documentary I did That's, not the name drop here, but I did get to interview James Toback when that came out, and which was awesome because it was a great documentary. Um, but at the end of that Tyson fight, where he loses to some scrub no one's ever yeah, heard of, yeah. and he gives that interview, and Tyson says, "Man, I just don't have it in me anymore." Well, He's he, like, "This he, isn't for me. I just did it for the money." He stopped it too. He, he Tyson did a, a Roberto Duran, didn't he? Because I remember that fight. He actually said, "I'm not." He didn't come out of his corner. Because he didn't, he I was think like, you yeah, that sounds right. I, I, and that was a great documentary. I do. I remember watching. I that love that. Well. I've watched it so many times. But but yeah, that when he says that at the yeah. end, and he's like, you know, I'm sorry, I don't want to. Um, he says like, I, I don't want to degrade the sport, something of that nature. And and I I just I don't have a love for this anymore. I had to do this. And he said like, I realized once I got in the ring, I don't I don't love this anymore. Yeah. And he and he did end up spending time with his family and doing other things. So. That's and that's awesome to me. That that shows more honor and courage than oh you should have fought through it. No no he didn't feel like you know he I, he's he did, he's not I'm not going to get up there and I love how he said yeah I'm not going to degrade the sport because now he's thinking of the sport more than himself. But he did take that paycheck. <laughs> so, but that means I, I, I saw that too. And I, you know, and that's, that is how it is. If you're a contractor or in the military and you're able to get to that point where you say, I don't really need this anymore. I'm good. I did what I needed to do. I feel, I don't need to prove things to myself that I'm brave or courageous or I can sacrifice. I did it. And I'm still here. I'm still alive. I still have my sanity. My family's still here with me. My gosh. All right, I I got it. I I did what I this is great. Now I can just now I can just live and just be just be a just be a good dad and and husband and just just love my life and just live and whatever comes. Man, it's just it's just just it's just extra. And yeah. um yeah, well, you see Mike Tyson, I think he's doing as far as I know. He hasn't gotten into trouble since he left Bob, has, has, tell No, me but he, he no, but he is going to do a fight against Roy Jones Jr. now. Oh no. <laughs> well, it's a They'll they'll have fun. Roy Jones, another tremendous tremendous boxer. Wow. Yeah. That, yeah. They've both been it. on Rogan talking <laughs> about it. As has been uh, Alex Jones has been back on, which I was very glad to see. I was very glad to see because I don't know if you know the whole ins and outs of it, but basically when Rogan signed this Spotify deal, he originally said. So Rogan originally said when I moved to Texas, Alex Jones is the first person I'm going to have on. Then suddenly people noticed on Spotify. Spotify took down the Alex Jones episode. Uh, they took down Owen Benjamin. They took down Milo Yiannopoulos. They took down all these, you know, some alt-right, some conspiratorial people. And people were saying, 
Rogan is kind of compromised. He took this yeah. hundred million dollar or ten million dollar. How much is it? I'm trying to think. Ten million dollar deal, and uh, more I, than more than both of us have. So a hundred million. <laughs> it's an insane deal. But anyway, it was just like, oh, he took the money, and he um. But Alex stood in his defense, and Alex said, no, he's gonna have me on. There's a few issues with Spotify, but he's he, he promised me he's gonna have me on, and he's going to. And sure enough, he did. I don't think Spotify was happy with him having him on. But I like that Rogan is a guy who's going to say, and no, I know no, you're not no, the biggest fan of him, but I, no. but keep in mind this, and, and I think people need to understand this, dinosaur media and all that stuff is, is and it's not where it once was. The biggest show on cable is, uh, in on news is Tucker Carlson, and Rogan gets about 10 times that. So, I mean, that is the power of new media. There's no one on cable news getting a $100 million deal. It doesn't happen. So to me, Rogan needs to be that bastion of free speech and say, and because even Fox News, they won't have yeah, Alex yeah. Jones on. And you know, it, I, you know, I understand Alex, we've talked about it, has said some things in the past that he probably shouldn't have and he's apologized for, but I do not at all agree with this idea that basically these tyrants in the media are like, you are not allowed yeah, to have yeah, this guy of, on. Yeah. Fuck that. You know, you, you should be able to have on whoever you want to have on. And I was glad to see, okay, Rogan stuck by his word and he's going to continue to have people like Alex on because Alex is a powerful voice. He really is. He's a powerful voice in media. He's a pioneer. And I don't want to see, you know, he's been deplatformed from everywhere. And we need people who have a big platform like like Rogan to say, yeah, he's invited. Well, to come I, on. And I, I just I don't have any issue with Rogan. He doesn't do anything bad or good. I just don't think he's that funny. That's all. But for him. But I don't, you know, I don't think he's that funny, but he's yeah, a good and, interviewer. And, you know, I, th- I think I, I'm more into his show. And, than and his that being said with that, I, I, I agree with him. St- yeah, I should. He, hey, you've got, you're, you're, you've got the, you've got the ball there, Maverick. What are you going to do with it? When shot, when Spotify comes in and tells, you no, are you going to stand up or do the right thing? And he did from, from what you're, t- and I didn't know yeah. what was going on. And you know me, I like Alex and I actually are friends off camera i I like alex i i know we don't always agree on anything but i have no issue with hey say what you're going to say just i tell alex just you know be worried be be aware of what you're saying because it may come back to bite you and it's the same and same as me same as you and i'd love to have alex back on the show again on this show and and if alex ever wants me to go on his show and i have i can i'm free to do it i i will because i said i i alex alex always treats me well but that being said again to to have these media people do this become you told you said on the last episode become monopolies become control yeah the the tech companies the media yeah all of it man i mean it's it really is crazy what's going on i'm I'm sure you followed even this like new york post uh did the hunter biden story (laughs) yeah and and they're banned from twitter for posting about hunter biden it's ridiculous and the problem is that we were all sold on that these were free speech companies and that's why we all signed up to them and then suddenly it was like, well, we're not really free speech companies. We're we're kind of catering to the left. honestly yeah. the left, you know. And and then Rogan, who's as free speech as it gets, and that's why I always loved Rogan was that he'll have Bernie Sanders on and have a great conversation with Bernie, and yeah. then he'll also have Alex Jones on, and he's pr- honestly the only one doing and, it at that level. Him standing up, us saying something. Everybody else out there that does podcasts saying something, you, you, you need to because. Media, yeah. and I've seen it, guys. And I started saying this back in 2000, oh, geez, when I started doing the media myself, 2013, 2014, that 
we've been in countries where the media does control what gets put out. It's called propaganda. We've had it for and how we've had it for ages. That's exactly what we were going to in 2013, and now we're seeing it come to fruition now. And I don't think anybody believed it at the time. Like, oh no, it's just free speech. Just free. No, it's not. It's it's speech catered to the left. Sorry, left, but it's the truth. It is. The majority of it is speech catered to the left. And you even see it more with going on with this election. And you're right with that New York Post story. If that doesn't blow it out of the water that they had to pull the story because it was uh, it, it, it was it was negative towards towards Biden. I, I don't know. You need more proof than that. But having like us podcasts out there, having guys like Rogan that have that huge following, which he is the he is the he is the the barometer now. He is the standard that you have to measure yourself yeah. to when it comes to podcasts and things. With him saying, you know what, give the finger, fuck you. I'm doing what I want. That's free speech. That is what is not not. Hey, well, we're going to take your money and fine you if you have these guys on. Okay, if I'm Rogan and I I Rogan, I would say if I even then eat shit. I'm doing what I want. Do the right thing, it, but it, I, I, and he obviously is from what you're telling me. I did, and I had no idea. Yeah, and it, and and for the audience too, it's it's bigger than Alex. Bigger. It's bigger yeah, than yeah. Joe. Even if you don't like them, even if you are left wing, it's just standing up for for that principle. And and I get it if people are going to say, well, it's not technically free speech. No one is being jailed for, and and I get that as well. But what it is is these tech companies are monopolies and if they signed joe rogan under the context that you could do whatever you want but we're gonna have you exclusively then yes allow him to do whatever he wants allow him to have on who he wants and uh i'll I'll throw this out there he had him on with comedian tim Dillon, who i have seen blow up from being a local new york comedian here to being one of the biggest guys out there and he's playing uh a few shows by you in omaha that's what you said you said yeah you should if you're I know you, you're a stay at home type of guy and you're probably not going to go, but he's hilarious. You'd have a great well, time. I'll look at I will look into it. No, I'll be on. Bro. I, ain't, I ain't going. Yeah. I, he's I, really I, funny, man. And and it's it, I've seen dreams come true with him because I, I saw that guy play a local Queens comedy club probably two or three years ago. And now he's on with Alex Jones and Joe Rogan and the both of them, actually, Alex, uh, Joe and uh, Tim Dillon are going to be doing election night coverage. I think that's pretty cool. <laughs> but I just like seeing I, I never am the p- type of person who's resentful if yeah. someone has massive success. I love seeing people who are really talented and, succeed. And I really 90 percent of them, they've been working their asses off for years. You just don't see it. They've been doing like you said, you're doing the local shows and I'm sure he's been working on his trade craft forever. So it's it's well deserved. He, and when he had the opportunity to capitalize on, he did because he was prepared because he, again, worked his ass off to it. And I, I if he now he could probably come on our show and be like, no, I, it kind of just all happened overnight. OK, well, <laughs> you're the anomaly there. But uh, chances are that that he's been preparing for this forever and he was given the opportunity and he capitalized on it and yeah good on you fuck yeah I, congratulations yeah. that's 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 what america is that's what freedom is that's what we live in this great country for because it could happen it may not but it could happen if you're willing to put the hard work behind it which yeah man that's awesome man no i don't i don't hate anybody on that either I, at all um I, I i i i'd love to see success stories like that so um but you're right on the, on the other side. Do we, we these companies that are doing it and the, it's it's benefiting it's benefiting one side more than the other. Just be careful because it always comes in full circle, and if you it For will sure. it will come back and bite you in the ass. It always does. So let's just keep it all even, guys. Even field. If you have a if you have a company 
keep it even, keep it open. So everybody's views can get out there. That's, and then we'll come together. I, we will, if we can actually talk and have these conversations like this and it doesn't come to where one side feels like they're getting discriminated against. I mean, isn't that what we, I, and this, that's, that's helped me out here. This, that's the irony of this is that, you know, the left is all about anti-discrimination, but they're using discrimination to preach the anti-discrimination because uh, discrimination of being, uh, being right wing. I, I see yeah. this I, from an outsider looking in guys. And I am independent. I, I'm not a registered Democrat or, or Republican. I'm independent. I'm, and I'm seeing this from, are you, do you, I, I think I asked you this though, but do you have closed primaries there? Cause the, the only reason I'm Republican, honestly, is I like to vote in the primaries, I, I, and, I, and I do lean I, 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 conservative. We, we, we so. don't. I, you know what? I we don't have primaries. If we have primaries, no, we don't. We don't. No, you have every state we have is closed primary, primaries. I, I'm, I'll Google Help this for out, you. See, this is. I'm going to be honest. This is the problem because then we people like us sometimes will go why did we get stuck with this candidate well you didn't vote in the primary no, I, so that's what you we, know we, that that's what happens uh you with, know i with, I, I, I try to the reason i wanted to i i honestly registered republican when i did was when ron paul was in the primary i was like i want to get this guy in you know what they, you know, with you the, the difference i think with though with the, nebraska and new york is that when we have a like a con congressional race we really only have one uh, as far as the incumbent he, no, no no i'm talking about the presidential primaries oh yeah i, I but um, i didn't vote in the, but i even if we didn't have if i didn't vote in the primaries anyway yeah you are a closed primary okay. um now i'm just curious no help me out i'm gonna look at 2016 let's see nebraska republican <laughs> no, help me. I, I don't know. Presidential sure. primary. No, I just I'm kind of curious to see. Yes. Yeah, so Donald Trump won the presidential primary in Nebraska. Oh, hell yeah, I did. Uh, but you know what? Here's here's where you may be getting confused. It gets to you guys so late that it's kind of been decided by that point. So the, the Nebraska Republican primary last election was May 10th, which is pretty late. OK. And it even says that by the time you could vote, Ted Cruz withdrawn. John Kasich mm -hmm. withdrawn, Ben, ben Carson ben withdrawn, withdrawn, Marco Rubio withdrawn. So there's not even a point to voting at that point. Yeah. I so I, I mean, the the most most importantly though, if you're in these states like New Hampshire, Iowa, where you could vote in a primary early, yeah. I mean, you can't complain then when the party gets stuck with the candidates that we do. Yeah, and that's, no, that's we true. get to vote if you're a if you're a party member. And, and to me, that's the one incentive to being a, a party member is is that but in, in your case it's so late that it probably doesn't even and matter. to be honest i you see how much i i am involved with politics I, all, right, all right well who's winning the primary here all right well then that's i i don't even know if i'm gonna vote dude i this year i oh you're not helping out i i i am i helping or i don't know i it, sometimes it is it's just here god take care of this man take, what, what, <laughs> what are we gonna do and whatever happens then I'm going to roll that way. I still, my dad wants me to vote. My dad's like, you got to vote. You got to vote. Which we got to, what is it? A couple of days left here. And yep. I, I am registered. Now I am a registered voter. So even though I'm, I'm, I'm non, I'm non partisan. partisan thank you. I was going to say denominational, but, I, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, thing is, is that, you know, when it comes down to the end of the day, it's how I've always lived. It's how I always deployed. It was right. Whoever wins fine. I am going to continue to push and just be the best I can be in whatever that 
pol- politician puts it in place, I'll figure out a way to still utilize it and be the best I can be and to help my family the best out there. Um, now there's crazies out there. And there are. Like, hey, well, what if there's a civil war? I, I don't see that happening. Um, what if pr- Trump doesn't doesn't re- relinquish power if he loses? I said, I'll be honest, guys. I see more Biden redoing the Constitution, taking away the Second Amendment more. And I see Trump not relinquishing power. But if you want to go that route, um, OK, well, what are we going to do? We'll deal with it. I, but again, that's just going on the crazier. I, to me, and forgive me, guys, but I do. I see that as going that way off routes. Um, I don't know what your feeling is on that, Ian, but I, I, I will just go with 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 the present that we have, you know, and and continue to be a positive person regardless, and, and try to try to set a standard even with my own family of how to how to overcome whatever obstacle that gets in place because of it, and continue to be successful as best that I can with, with the limitations that are put on me. I mean, not all of us are born Warren Buffett. <laughs> you know, yeah. That's just, that's even just though he lives down the street, even though he lives down the street for me, but, <laughs> and he still is buying up every piece of land out here and turning it into shitty housing, but Hey, whatever. good job, real estate agents. Nice job guys. Real estate developers killing, killing Omaha's one cornfield at a time out here. All these real Damn. estate developers. It's, it's terrible, dude. It really is. All right. Well, with that, uh, wrapping things up here, Fort Scott Munitions is a manufacturer of multi-federal patented solid copper and brass CNC spun ammunition that is designed to tumble upon impact in soft tissue, leaving devastating wound channels for faster bleed out and quicker incapacitation. This ammo was originally developed to innovate and improve on the standard of military grade ammunition design. It was found that not only did the TUI ammunition outperform competitors in the self-defense industry, but it quickly became apparent that it would be a top contender for hunters alike. With the ammunition being CNC spun, the tolerances are some of the tightest on the market, ensuring you receive the same results with each pull of the trigger. Fort Scott Munitions is available throughout privately owned businesses in all 50 states, as well as direct online. Go there. It's fortscottmunitions.com, and you'll be able to use our exclusive promo code BATTLELINE and get 15% off your order. Only available to our listeners of the Battleline podcast. Fort Scott Munitions is great, and they're a proud supporter of Chris Peranto, Battleline Tactical, and the Battleline podcast. You've heard us talk about them. You can check out their stuff on YouTube and see what makes their ammo the best on the market. And uh, we have shirts available, too. You can check those out. Uh, link in description. And I think that's really it. I would say have a great Halloween, but it'll be Monday by the time people hear this. So eat a, um, lot, of, eat a lot of candy. Hope you got a lot of candy, yeah. guys. And just be positive, guys. Just yes. whatever happens, just just be the best person you can be and turn that freaking mainstream <laughs> media off, guys. Just turn it off. Are you are you even going to watch election night coverage, no. or are you this checked out that you're? <laughs> I, I, but actually, I I'll be honest. This will be the one time I watch, and and I'll be like cynical, even though I'm I'm not a supporter of either person. I think it's very likely Trump could win, as I said. I, I'm, it can go either way, but I do want to see if Trump wins. I do want to see some people crying on CNN, going, "How could this happen?" You know, it's, and, you're and gonna that, see Don Lemon cry. I just want to see that. that you know, that's the. <laughs> Actually, I yeah, I don't Don Lemon. I'll be honest, but I I wouldn't. I know I'm not going that route. I'm I'll take me to the negative route because I I I really don't. I, I that guy I don't think is good for this country at all. Um, yeah, any more than than some of the way right. But that he, he just I don't. Yeah, Don, well, you don't even <laughs> want to see them cry if Trump wins. No, I I don't. 
you know what? I don't, I don't relish in any of that. I don't sit. Oh, I told you so. That's just not me. Like I said, even no, no, I, yeah. But, I, I mean, just it, the people who are. Does it? I, does it make me giggle a little bit with that? I'll be lying if I told you it didn't. It, it, it. But even the Hillary Clinton, Donald Trump election. Like I said, I went to bed and I didn't know until I woke up the next morning and turned my phone on and people. Oh, and like I said, I went on the news that day and they said oh, they. I think Fox wanted me to be. It was Fox and Friends. It was in the morning. And like, hey, let's. And I was, yeah, that's Charlie Mike. Guys. Was it Pete Hegseth? It it was um no it was um he's a, actually he's a really nice guy the blonde haired. Oh Brian Kilmeade. Not Kil Kilmeade was on there, but it was uh he has him and his son are on Fox. The blonde oh, old okay. older blonde haired and um. Ducey, and was, right? Ducey, and it was yeah, yeah. and it was Ainsley. Oh okay, cool. Yeah, yeah. I just think I mean when you think of people who uh are like so you know in, in one side i just think of uh what uh, yeah pete hegseth I, I think he had like i think he got married at you know mar-a-lago and they were all wearing like make america great again hats i'm like this is a little too over the top like i get it you support the guy you want him to be president when i see that though like the obsessiveness yeah. that's always just weird there, to me there you go like, even if you even if you talk to this is how i think about it right like you talk about your love of Christianity, Christ, yeah. your religion. But even if someone talked about Jesus as much as some of these people talk about Trump, I'd be like, even that's kind of weird, even though that's more normal. You well, know? So that would be, would that, would a Don Lemon be the equal of a Sean Hannity or a Don Lemon be the equal of a Pete Hegseth? Is that what they were trying to make the, 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 they're equal here, the equality of, I, I don't know. Like those guys aren't, you know, Pete and, uh, Hannity aren't like as, as angry, angry. you know, there's a lot, there's yeah. a lot of anger there. Um, yeah, I really don't know. It's it's two different camps. I, I just feel like, and I know you do too, no matter who's the president, we're going to have to hold yeah. their feet to the fire and make sure they're getting shit done. And I don't believe in like worshiping any of those, these no, people, you no. know, worship God. That's it. These people are, they're, they're people. You know, they're ego driven. They're people. They're just... There's going to be faults in every administration. Anyone who acts like, and, and you see it, that the Obama administration had no faults was clearly not paying attention. Yeah. And if you think this administration doesn't have faults, I think you're not paying attention either. Yeah. Um, you know, but I, I agree, man. Just keep living your life. I, I'm personally right now, I'm regardless of everything going on in my own life, I'm actually very happy with what, where I'm at, what I'm doing, working on this podcast, doing audiobooks, And I know the same with you with yeah. uh, doing, uh, you know, your shooting classes. And, and I think you and I actually have found more balance throughout this that, <clears throat> You're not doing it every week, so every time you get to do it, you really enjoy it. I really enjoy it. And the speaking of, I missed the speaking events. I had them all rescheduled till next year, and pretty much I got them. I got them all rescheduled in the spring. I'm looking forward to doing those, and um, I'm just looking forward to 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 just just now having that balance that I didn't have for four years. Where now I'm. Do you, do you miss the speaking engagements or no? Uh, I do actually. I do miss. I miss the the corporate ones are awesome because you do have a. A middle of the road you're not talking to a a political party those are those you know those are can be they're not as fulfilling when you're coming to somebody that has never heard of benghazi somebody mm. in a corporate kind of, hey i didn't even know that happened you made a movie wow like you really or you really you really helped me get through a tough time i had no idea what had happened there that makes you feel so good because you're just you help somebody even though, and even though you're like, what, what do you mean? You don't know what happened 13. Yeah, what? You, you go, do you know who the fuck I am? <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I'll, I'll do that one of these days. I'll fill one with as a joke. I don't see how many people, see how many people troll that. Um, 
but it, it does. It, it and the corporate events are extremely, extremely fulfilling. And and especially even though when you when you speak to a guy that owns like a Buffalo Wild Wings entrepreneurship, and your guy that owns like eight Buffalo Wild Wings in the country and making tons of money, and comes and says and shakes your hand and says, "Hey, I I, I learned something. I can take back to my coworkers. I can take back to my staff today." Like, wow, man. Uh, that's that's really cool of you to say that, and because you know you think as a CEO of any company or an owner of, of multiple companies, and that's something that successful, a Red Bull CEO or a Gold's Gym CEO come up to you and say, "Hey, I've learned something today that I can take back to my to my company and teach them how to still continue to work hard and overcome." Like, man, that's that 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 really has a good makes you feel like you're a good feeling. Something positive came out of that night that you're able to to relay to someone else that is already successful, at least financially successful in the business world. And they're going to apply it to what they do on their everyday businesses. That is to me, I, I, to me, that just is humbling. It's like, man, cause I've never ran a business before. Oh, well, I'm running one now and actually it's doing, it's doing well, <laughs> but it, it does, it does mean a lot. So yeah, I do miss it, but I don't miss it doing one every week. Like I did for three, for three years where I was doing four a month where I was doing multiple cities a month that I don't miss. I miss doing one or two a month uh, for a time frame. But if you want to average it out 80 year, which is, but, and they, they just all happen to fall in particular times of year. Cause that's when the companies have their conferences here in the spring or fall. And you just, you just kind of do them then. And then the rest of the year is off. But yeah, I, I do. I do brother. I really do. Good stuff, man. All right. Well, we went very long this one. Oh, any, shit. uh, any any words of wisdom before uh, we end this? Uh, go eat. If you haven't eaten a shitload of candy by Monday, you are wrong. Go eat candy and then go get a good workout in on Monday. You turn all that candy into sustenance and energy and muscles. That day. <laughs> and eat a Snickers bar. Have a Snickers bar for Tana, my favorite. That's all for this episode of the Battleline Podcast, but we'll be back on Monday with more American Straight Talk. Until then, be sure to follow us on Instagram at Battleline Podcast and on Twitter at Battleline Pod. To sign up for future Battleline tactical courses, go to www.christantoperanto.net. Believe in yourself, face all challenges head on, and as always, never quit. <laughs>